Broadcasting from the very well-lit and world-famous haunted winery here in Warren, Michigan. This is Ghostly Talk on a nice, well, relatively warm February 8th, warm 2009. Ghostly Talk is independently produced every Sunday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time to converse about all things paranormal. For more info, go to www.ghostlytalk.com. Spring has returned to Warren, Michigan. I'm so happy. Tonight... Keith Norton returns to catch up with us. We learn how to get extraterrestrial messages to the masses with Jeff Peckman. And then finally, finally, after all this time, a dear old friend of Ghostly Talk, Clyde Lewis, is back. I've mentioned this before. We mentioned this this like revolving bounce music we're doing now yes, on the show. Yes. That is by a band named Sacred Reich. Ah. And this was kind of touching because I was I mentioned a few weeks ago that we've been really going out there just checking out music and you know asking some of these old school guys if they'd let us use some of their tunes and stuff for the show and whatnot. And Phil who, you know, I grew up listening to this band my whole life, Sacred Reich, back and forth, you know, Ignorant, uh, Surf Nicaragua, all these cool albums, including this album, which is called Independent. Yeah. Which I thought very fitting for... Uh, very fitting. Yeah, something, something you know, for a part of this show. I dig it. But Phil, actually, the it. bass player and singer of the band, who's I like... I brought this, Dig back. Go ahead. Thanks. <laughs> Next one's going to be I'm Hip. I Remember that? 
No, that I, was the yeah, monkeys. But, that was the monkeys that said, I'm hip. I'm hip, man. But I said like two or three years ago, I'm bringing Dig back. And, <laughs> and then, of course, they released clips, and too, also, where they were going to bring back something oh God. completely different. Oh, and and then, don't worry, I'm taking it back. And taking I, the ski mask back. <laughs> the ski mask. That oh, was yeah. Something, yeah that, that, we're, we have to mention that again. We're going to keep, keep that campaign rolling here. <laughs> but Phil, actually, from Sigur Reich, you know, I emailed and said, hey, look, you know, here's the thing we do. It's an independent show. Uh, just love your music all these years. Would you be interested in letting us use your tunes? And he responded back and said, heck yeah, dude, I'd, I'd, I'd love to let you guys use our stuff. He's like, as a matter of fact, I'd like to, I'd like it to be used in, in a dedication to my friend who passed away a couple of years ago, who was oh. really big into the paranormal. Wow. I'm like, that's fine. So I just want to mention that Phil, that's kind of one of the reasons Phil let us use his music, uh, you know, on the show here and. That it's more than just playing tunes to try to make this show sound somewhat professional. There's a, a cool reason why we're using it. We'll never help I know. I that. certainly hope that that's how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least make, it makes us sound cooler, I guess. Oh, I yeah. Until we start talking. we got to play contemporary music to keep the in crowd and the kids oh, involved. <laughs> well, we got a marketing plan. You know? Yes, I mean, our be, marketing plan is 70, what was it, 77 pages long? Yeah, yeah. Can we fire our marketing and there director? Was, and then there was exhibit A, B, C, D, and E, and those were well, another. And those are clauses under those, yeah. so yeah. It just went on and on and on, and I finally fell asleep. <laughs> About page one. <laughs> Which is typical for you. Yes, exactly. I'm going to be belching a lot during the show. Good to know. Excellent. Now, I'm gonna, not in the microphone. Oh, oh. There's other shows for that, but... Um, <laughs> I just, something Somebody invite us on your show. Well, <laughs> I, I I decided to take the step um, and, and and move move myself in the in the always ever improving Scott L plan. Uh, I'm dieting now. Yeah, which you're in a perpetual state of dieting. No I'm offense, always but you're in a perpetual dieting. state yes, of dieting. Yeah, uh, and this I'm is a new thing for me. Usually, it's me just okay eating inside. Okay with my fatness. Well, I'm 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 pretty much you know at one with my fatness, but well, I'm never gonna be small. I want to be smaller than yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm never going to be small. I know that for a fact. I mean, I'm just a big kid, you know, for my size. And but I'm, you know, trying to shed down a few pounds here, get a little trim, get a little, you know, a little bit more leaner and meaner, so I can go up a flight of stairs without falling over and dying. We already had moved up from an escape to an explorer for so, our trips, so and I didn't want to go the next level because, yeah. <laughs> because I hit the buffet the day before. Our trip. He wants to trim down so he can go into places first when we. Encounter things. That no, might no, be no, no, nothing like that. I just no. worked that one in. <laughs> I've got my way. Well, this uh, the, the irony of it is like you go on these diets and stuff, and the plan that I'm on, you eat like a like I told you, you eat like an Olympic athlete. Yes, you know, but the difference eat. is when you eat it, you know, how you eat and all that fun stuff. And, right. Uh, yeah, it's I'm finding changes happening to my body. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, back. or otherwise indifferent. Well, they're good, I guess. I mean, they. I feel pretty good. I feel well, better. Good. I don't feel so bloated anymore, especially on the weekends. Right. You, what's the weekends? You know, the, usually my Amber and Hookers, my... Hookers, well, drugs. The, yeah, you know, that, that, you can't take that out of your diet. Yeah, that's the, I know. It's not fattening. <laughs> Hookers and drugs aren't fattening at no, all. I mean, no, no. Well, weed, I guess it could, you could, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you smoke pot, from what I understand. Then you got the munchies. I don't know, I didn't inhale. I d- <laughs> you did Michael either. Phelps, from what I understand, too. <laughs> why would he say that? Why the hell would he say that? Look, why can't somebody just go, look, okay, I'm like the best swimmer in the world. I rock. I am like, I'm like, I'm bebop. You can't touch me, right? 
So if I smoke a joint every, if I smoke a joint every once in a while, you know, yeah, it's illegal. I'll pay the fine, deal with it, fine, whatever I gotta do. But I did, all right. He was doing it the classy way, though. It worked for Clinton. Why wouldn't he? You're caught. Deal with it, man. Just don't say I. I think that's what I was going to say. That's what happened, though. He goes, I did it. Was it a joke? That was my photo. It's a photo of me with that. Yes, that was. But I heard he did say I didn't inhale. I didn't hear that part, but maybe I'm wrong. It's something. I, it, That's all you can do with those. Well, why can't you say, "Yeah, I got Did caught"? Did you see the Feel picture? It. I yeah. mean, <laughs> it's kind of hard not to inhale with a bong. Well, yeah. he likes to party. You know, there's I, I nothing think he's even cooler else now. You do with it. You don't exhale. Them. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> that didn't work. I don't know what we're gonna I do now. I don't feel anything at all. <laughs> I'm gonna know? go drive. Well, he's cool. <laughs> the guy's awesome, man. I don't know why. Just okay, dude. You, you got caught. Dude, you're you're awesome still. He's he, I don't think he's any less of a swimmer. He's no. still the fastest he's swimmer. He's still going on there to own me in the planet. pool in the morning. I know for a fact. <laughs> yeah. he, he he'd do a mile when I do like a lap. So exactly. whatever, man. You know. So yeah, get it together, Michael. You're you're all right, dude. You're fine. Put your headphones back on. You're straight up. You're cool. Don't worry about it. I don't know how we got to that. I don't know so either. Weed and swimming, uh, whatever. It was drugs and hookers, but anyway. No. Uh, so yeah, it's it's they're good. Not fattening. It's it's good. Yeah, they're not fatting. Because he, he doesn't have either. an ounce of fat on him. No, he's built no, like some he Adonis. Not at all. He is. Oh, he's perfect. He's a swimmer. He's a swimmer. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a machine. I can appreciate a body right on a guy like that. Mouth. I, <laughs> yummy, yummy. Yes. <laughs> he is scrumdiddly. Goddamn truffle here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. That. Hopefully they got buried by the laughter and all the chaos. I don't think it's I doubt it, but it's I think okay. It's all right, it wasn't that bad. It was, you know, it wasn't like an f bomb or something. No, like it was fine. But uh, no, uh, so yeah, but yeah, I was offended. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, this is, what, this is what happens when you're offended. We pull you out of channel. Great. No, uh, so yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it, some changes, but they're good. Feel you know, like well, I was I'm saying, it's like every night here in the corner. You don't <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> yeah. okay. Don't take any photos. Uh, no, Amber and mine's routine usually on the weekends, like Friday and or Saturday, would be to like, you know, I'd work all day. And then... Oh, that was what we were talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I pull, I can pull it back. And you were, yeah. and you were gonna eat something. <laughs> well, no, we go out, we go out. We go out and we just, you know, at least me, I, I, you know, we go to some restaurant, have a giant sandwich, a bunch yeah, of French that's fries. That's what I eat, yeah. You know, I mean, oh, God. And that's then, my favorite part of ghost hunting, by the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> but after that, I need a nap. It's like, oh, I'm out. Like by 10 o'clock, I want to go to bed, you know? Um, and I'm finding now with this, with this weekend especially, trying this thing out, yeah, I feel a lot better. Eating about, eat a lot lighter, a lot less at nighttime. For a little pointer out there for you guys. Good. Huge mm-hmm. point. Don't be eating it. I mean, I'm done. I've eaten my dinner and I can't have another morsel the rest of the night now. I'm totally screwed. I think the thing is, eat like a queen in the morning. Well, that's what we were Literally, saying. Literally, that's yeah. what they, that's what they <laughs> so said. He they, eats like a queen in the morning. Yeah. And then, um, uh, like, like a, a rich like, like how a man. exactly does a queen eat? Evidently, they eat a lot of. I would think Doug would know. be the person I should ask for. This, <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, I'm asking pizza. you. Pizza. Okay, Doug. Well, Nordic queen. It's on the table, pizza. so wow. <laughs> Nordic queens. Nathan, yeah. Nathan doesn't know if he can listen anymore now that you've cursed. You, you guys can all get over it. If that's the worst thing that if that's the worst thing that happens in 2009, then you're all very lucky. We got a long year ahead of us. We got someone on a diet here. Everyone back off. Yeah, and then the smoking thing's gonna stop, and we're all gonna be out of control. And I gave up pop, so you gave up. You gave up soda. Yeah, or pop. Sorry, we're in we're in Michigan. It's pop. Wow. 
Wow, I am impressed. See, what is it, what has happened with with soda pop or whatever you want to call it with me is it's become my alcohol kind of. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, this has been a long. This has been going on for a long time. Like when we go out to a restaurant, you know, you see everybody else with their pint of beer, and I'd have, well, look, give me a coke because mm. I don't keep it. I never kept it in the house barely. You right. guys know that. For a long time there, Doug had me hooked on his ale, um, yes. so we were drinking that stuff Which nonstop. Is nasty. No, it's good. Oh. I like it. It's good. Uh, but I had to pull that out to- completely too. So we go to a restaurant, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a Coke or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like my alcohol now. But even, I can't even drink that now either. They don't want to right. drink that stuff. So it's rigid, uh, but I feel pretty good. So hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll be getting a little bit more energy. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> So yeah, that, that's why I'm. But I'm finding my oh, body the whole thirteen hour day or whatever. No. Yeah, I know, well we'll get into that. Eleven in a hours. Eleven so. hours for you. Um, but no, my, the point was is that yeah, my I'm my body's making different sounds back in well, not really right. according to Amber, <laughs> but uh, I'm feeling a little bit no, more. No, so if I'm in the middle of a as long I'm in the middle of a the circulation remains okay in the room. I think yeah. it'll be okay. <laughs> well, if I'm in the middle of a sentence, though, and I just back off the microphone, you know why now? If uh, I'm in the middle of something I thought, and I go, just, you hear me just cut out. Yeah, when we have to install an exhaust fan in the studio, yeah. it's time to... <laughs> Get off the diet, Yeah, you maybe. need to do the, <laughs> the diet yeah. in the other room. You just made it, by the I way. I know, I just walked in. We both, um, we worked today. Yeah. What time were we there? Well, Doug. I was there. Doug gets, gets, the, gets the, what is it? Dun, dun, dun. Your I VIP, the, the better day. than on time award for a change. Yeah, MVP. I should say. I was, was fifteen minutes early. I was ten minutes late, but work. don't count the Unix world, so that's okay. Um, <laughs> as long as work gets done. But uh, yeah, I walk. I pulled into the parking lot and I see the Dugmobile, and I'm like, I'm looking at my watch, going, "Okay, is it broken? What's going on here? What? <laughs> Obviously, it's here from last week. I don't know. Did why. I miss a day? Is it Monday already? What's going on? But Doug, Doug was there. I was there. Laptop opened up, ready to rock. Where I come stumbling in. <laughs> His hair was in curlers. It was a yeah, laugh. it was terrible. I saw my nightgown on. It was, it was terrible. Nightgown, fluffy okay, slippers. The sad and thing is, I can picture yeah. that, and it's hilarious. You see, I don't need curlers. I know, but I can picture crap. your hair this, up in curlers. This is not being combed at all today and this is what happens it just curls up and kinks up and i can't do anything with it god girls you need to <laughs> what's that you need a trim and a hot oil treatment hot oil why do i need a trim because you do it's getting is it getting sloppy yeah yeah it's bit. yeah well it's time for that next time i go in and then i don't know why and how are oil we treatment? really having this conversation a hot oil here? treatment just because you deal with you're so metro <laughs> that you would enjoy a hot oil i'm treatment. sure and i've done would, it no actually it i've done it you you metro metro award. Yes. i've done it i've had i've had it done before we're gonna send a, a home hot oil treatment kit to andy in your name. <laughs> I think that would work out really well. The game is on. We yes, know that. We, yes, we, the game, the is, game is on. But I'm still upset that you got gifts and Doug and I didn't. Well, here, you know what? Actually, this is the other part of it. You guys didn't get to see the soap because, I, as I told Tanya, I've already used it because it's so good. Right. I really enjoyed the soap. This is the other part of the gift I got, though. Uh, you guys can't see that out there, but Bonnie, if you want to read that out loud, feel free. Uh, the best of Broadway. Yeah. Ooh. A collection of 40 favorite Broadway musicals. Now, did I explain this before on the air about why this little competition has started up? Yes. yes. Okay, well, this is what, you know, the, you know, the soap thing that mm-hmm. I got pinged on big time and I'm taking shots for it still. Uh, but this is the little note I got in there. I hope this provides a totally different experience. Love, Andy. Aww. Yeah, so thanks, Andy. So that's the little box that came in, all that fun stuff oh, and whatnot. Geez. So, yeah. I decided to keep it as a memento of the occasion. I think that's a good idea. Along with the Broadway box set, which I have to be totally honest, will probably get no mileage here whatsoever. Actually, I, it might because... 
Well, rip it. It's yours. I like some of them. Rip them. It's oh, yours, man. Go ahead and take it. I, well, no, I don't take it. I'm going to keep it because it's a no, gift. You can but, keep it, but. Yeah, go ahead and rip them. They're yours. So, Broadway tunes, all the good stuff there. I don't think you'll be hearing any of that on the show. <laughs> Does it have anything from Carol Channing in it? <laughs> Carol Channing? Doug, go away. <laughs> Who's Carol Channing? Uh, Hello, Dolly. I'm still uh, lost. Doug is showing his age. <laughs> Hello, Doug. Well, let's see what we got here. We, we, just we were childhood buds. didn't get that one in all the way. We used to play hide and right. seek. Uh, the Phantom of the Opera, of course. What I did for love, of course, line. Oh. Memory, Phantom cats. Of the opera is awesome. Don't cry for me, Argentina, Evita. Old Man River, showboat. Uh, I love Paris from Can Can. Along with other White Christmas from Holiday Inn. Oh. Begin. Be, oh, I can't read that. Maria from West Side Story. <laughs> what can't you read? Uh, I, I didn't want to try it. I I've screwed up enough over the last couple weeks. Are you going to read them all? No, somewhere from West Side Story. There's just a, and many other hits here on whatever. I do an infomercial on this. The best of Broadway. Thank you. Should I just Andy? read the label and everything here. Made in Canada. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good comes from there. Oh boy. <laughs> So yeah, that's kind of what. Yeah, today was rough for both of us. So we're gonna be kind of we're gonna be kind of crusty here towards the end. I think. Oh, I love it when you guys are crusty. More yeah. more so you because you spent more time at the office than yes, I, did. I did. But we're here. We had the week off last week. Obviously, hope everybody had a great Super Bowl Sunday. I know we did. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know what I did for Super Bowl Sunday? I know now you partied My like week it was 1999. wasn't really as I great as started. I wanted it to be, but you know. oh, because of the outcome or because of the commercials. Uh, I don't no. think you've heard this one yet. No, Doug knows. Oh, he knows? Okay. It's because of what happened early in the week. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, so. Yes. My uncle passed away. I'll just yeah. say it. That kind of put a damper on things. And then Super Bowl Sunday was a disaster. It was a train wreck. What happened? HD went out. <gasps> <laughs> well, did you hear about what happened in Tucson, Arizona? No. Oh, they took over. Somebody, I, I haven't followed up on this thing because it isn't my job to do that, but the, you think your Super Bowl Sunday was a disaster. Apparently, Tucson, Arizona, the Comcast people, I'll say their name because I hate them, uh, the Comcast people, something, somebody hijacked their, their station. I don't know, they say it wasn't their fault or whatever, it's always going to be finger pointing back and forth. That. But somebody hijacked their signal right after a, a field goal, um, and 30 seconds of porn came up on nice. the screen. So, yeah. I love when porn interferes with I'm football. curious if any of our, we have any listeners there in but Arizona you would have missed some feedback that. on that. You would have missed that. Yeah. Well, you know. Because your <laughs> HD was out. Well, the thing but was, it wasn't uh, cable. It was satellite. Oh, yeah. Well, I actually saw this. I actually saw I found somebody had it up on YouTube of what happened. You see, like, the, the football game going on, and then the screen just freezes. And next thing you know, there's just this dude just dancing around. You know, wow. Wow. And me and my dad were, we both watched it. We were just cracking up. We, we thought it was hilarious. <laughs> so, sorry to hear about that with you guys down there, but that was, yeah, that was, that's disastrous yeah, right there well. for, got a party going on. You got your, you know, friends, kids are running around. I'm enjoying sure themselves. the average party enjoyed that. I mean, I would have seen the humor in it, but I don't think, you know, the people that are getting sued and losing their jobs right now over there, you see well, any humor no, whatsoever. I'm sure they no. don't, but it doesn't affect me at all. So let's move on. <laughs> okay then. As long as it doesn't affect you. <laughs> We're cool. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we all enjoyed ourselves. I, myself, rolled change. I swear to God. Wow. I get, Super Bowl Sunday? I get the lame award for Super Bowl. I came home. I Yeah, I came back from Amber's, and I had to stop, pick up the pig. And then I came home here, and it was about, what, 6 p.m. or 7 p.m.? And I'm like, 
I'm just going to sit here. I got this big bucket of change. I didn't mean to get it rolled and put in the bank. So I sat here and watched South Park and rolled change. Well, you didn't miss anything. The commercial sucked. Yeah, I, heard, I heard it was really lame. So They I were not anything like I wanted or expected or hoped for. Well, there's no money this year. That's yeah. what, I mean, that's the obvious reason. That's what, all I heard all week was, well, the commercials were dumb. It's like, well, nobody has the money, especially the car companies. God forbid they do anything outside of spending money on just, you know, recovering their companies and stuff like that. Meanwhile, the banks out there, they're giving each other bonuses, buying oh, jets, hell. Budweiser's crack. still going strong. They could have had a lot better commercials. Okay. Oh, People, Budweiser? I don't care how, oh, dep- my gosh. I don't care how depressed like- you are. You're still going to drink like a fish, and most people will go for Budweiser. Well, yeah, the bar business it- is recession-proof. Was it like... The life and times of that horse of or something. Of the Clydesdale, yeah. It was Oh, dumb. it was the worst marketing campaign I think I've seen in a long time. <laughs> um, apparently, Whiplash wants to challenge you in the lame Super Bowl Sunday award. He watched Star Trek. Oh, my God. <laughs> and yeah. I say that wins. Yeah. <laughs> rolling change. Well, how many Star points Trek. for rolling change and watching South Park? Well, see, it comes up a little bit because you watch South Park. Yeah, that, that, that has more, a little more hip than South Park. That has Star more Trek value than Star Trek. So I skewed my score by watching South Park. Yes. I just yeah. rolled change. If you I had won. just rolled change, you probably would have won. Yeah. But he watched Star Trek on DVD. Oh, my God. Which oh. is way worse. I have the whole box set. Does that count for anything? Oh, my God. I have to leave. You guys are all too lame. <laughs> oh no, I have I have all ten, and not the episodes. I have all ten of the films in a DVD box set. Wow! But I didn't watch them though on Super Bowl God, Sunday. Grant me the strength. I'm surrounded by geeks. Well, <laughs> okay, I feel better now. This isn't exactly but, love but lines here. I mean, Whippy wins. I'm sorry. You're gonna. What do you think? Star Greg? Trek yeah, on DVD. Star he Star wins. DVD. Yeah. All right, Whip, you get it, man. All right. I, I mean, you're corrected. pretty close because the. The change thing, I mean, I just go to the bank and they've got a machine. And we talked about that. this. Yes, man. we did. Yes, And I, I verified it Friday when I was at the bank depositing the money, 3% for members. For 6% members. 6% for non-members, wow. which is better than a lot of places, see, but still, it's ridiculous. See, I go to my bank and they've got that machine and, and if you have an account there, it's, it's, even though it prints a little like fee notice or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's they you don't it. deduct no anything. Yeah, so they, they take a cut of my anything. action by doing that. So I roll them all up. And I don't blame you. Ka-ching on the thing, and they're like, "Oh God, <laughs> he's one of them." And yeah. Gowan wins um, <clears throat> for the cool Super Bowl award because he opted to watch porn instead of the Super Bowl. Ah, there we go. That's Porn's default. Plan. You should be watching that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the average male would not. That's why. That's why VPN was created for people like us. So. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> yes, it was because you guys watch Star Trek. That's why you need it. Well, you got to balance it out a little bit. You know, that, that makes you a very well-rounded person artistically and culturally. A little bit of porn, a little bit of Star, Star Trek, um, it balances <sighs> you out. Too much, of it, too much of either one's bad for you. At Has, all. Ha, do, do you guys have things happen like paranormally to you, like deja vu or anything like that? All the time. Has it stepped up a notch? Deja vu? Last month and this month. I mean, just general weird coincidences or weird things that happen. Has I, it stepped up a notch? I had an experience month? as far as deja vu was concerned that happened not too long ago, actually at the office. Really? And I, I, I it hit me like it always hits you, you know? And yeah. You just kind of stand there and go, bink, yeah. what the hell happened, right? Yeah. Um, it happened to me at the office a cut, like about a week and a half ago. I just was kind of like, 
you know, like the music I was listening to in my in my earbud. Yeah. And just the way the lighting was and the and the, the, the and environment. Everything was like everything oh gosh, felt familiar. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, what's up with you? What what about what about you, Bon? I'm always weird, so how can I judge this? So you, you haven't noticed like a general <clears throat> increase or. I don't know. It's it, just, well, deja vu happens to me a lot. Well, I, I don't mean just deja vu, but other. Well, it might be because you, it might be because your brain cells have unfrozen, like all the rest of ours have, oh, and it's actually getting warmer outside, and like you're getting more firing per second, I think, or something like that. So that might be <laughs> that might that help. That could be too. Why be. do you ask? Because I, the, the, you know, this the, the the broken light bulb thing. Mm-hmm. It, it I popped has, a light bulb yesterday too. It has totally Saturday. stepped yesterday. up a notch. Really. But how often do you pop light bulbs? I well, you know what? Actually, in the last month, I've blown three of them here at the house, oh. not the winery. Oh well, maybe maybe <laughs> apparently Granny moved in here. <laughs> maybe she's here too. I so I've resolved that, and I bought these like yeah, super expensive ones that yeah, they can't pop these those. things. So. Yeah. Could you stop? Addressing those during the show because we all look up at them and then I can't see anything for a couple minutes. We're all going to start wearing sunglasses here, like Roy Orbison or something. The rest of the show. Now I, I had to, that happened a week and a half ago. I, I noticed that. Yeah. And it's interesting you brought that up because yeah, I remember that vividly. That there was just like everything around me just felt familiar for some reason. I mean, it's because I spend most of my time there. <laughs> it could be a real easy explanation to that. Yeah, but it was just one of those things where it just felt. But like, you got that feeling. Yeah, the feeling. You know that feeling. feeling. Yeah, I know yeah. what you're talking about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah, I, I was just wondering, and, and I thought this would be a good time to bring it up because we're, you know, we're doing a jam session, but I, I was just like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've had to replace more light bulbs this past month and a half than usual. Well, you just buy those ones. Not, don't look up there. See, just, we just, <laughs> just pointing up. I'm not directing your eyes that way. Apparently, my hands have the power to control people. I am the puppet man. You can't say that because even you look up. I know. I'm I'm seeing watches in front of my eyes, too, man. Uh, Don't look. (laughs) Um, No, the... (laughs) I can't go on now. We've lost control. Go figure. Three minutes. I can't because the... The ceiling fan is on a dimmer, or well, the light. Oh, you can't. The lights you can't are put on a dimmer, on right? There. The yeah. lights are on a dimmer. The ceiling fan's so not. You're screwed. You have to pull the. Yeah. You know, it's on a normal. So you just have to change them a lot. Often, Sorry. I'm down to one. I have one left, and you know, by the time I get home, Grandma will probably have unscrewed it and thrown it across the room or something. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it's been terrible. Uh, no, that's oh. my only experience recently, as far as anything weird. Uh, I think I, we've all been so preoccupied with all of our personal lives here. Yeah. Uh, this show is always weird, so I can always count that if I want. Well, that's true. That's almost paranormal. Speaking of the show, we got a really cool lineup tonight. Yes, we do. Yes, really we cool. do. Keith Norton, like, you, like Doug mentioned, uh, we actually got to talk to him the first time at the Michigan Paranormal Conference yes. 2008, which wasn't too long ago. So we really wanted to get him on the show here, just to talk to him for a little while about what he's doing here, just in the official setting of the show. Uh, Jeff Peckman will be joining us later on, talking about all kinds of just UFO, UFO stuff and beyond. Um, go ahead. I was just looking at his uh, th- and, and his number one. Well, that's that's Keith. The opposite that's of what Keith. I, yeah, Keith's number one thing that we're going to talk about is the opposite of what I just noticed for a month and a half. So it'll be interesting to see his take. Yeah, it will be interesting to see his take because, according to everybody else, is everything. Everything's so wild and crazy now. There's ghosts everywhere all around us. Well, not that. Especially I, when not, there's a night vision camera out there. Yeah, I'm not the film crew behind you. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. <laughs> 
It, it'll be interesting. I, I want to talk to him about that. Absolutely. Finally, Clyde Lewis. Now, he hasn't been here since, like, 2005. It's been years. And Clyde Lewis is the man. For people that may be new to the show and you haven't went back to the archives or whatever, uh, Clyde Lewis is just fantastic. And we just got a real, real thin idea what we're going to be talking to him about, which means it's going to be, we're just going to go everywhere with that. So Clyde is, is an inspiration to this show. He's an inspiration to me especially. Uh, and I really wanted to get him back on here to just talk with him for a while. Probably one of the best broadcast. He does his own oh, show, absolutely. Ground Zero. Ground Zero. Um, and he's probably, he is my, in my opinion, probably one of the finest broadcasters as far as content and delivery is concerned. And he's always got something interesting to say. So yes. big show lined up and we're right. Ooh, this looks really, ugh, 30 seconds, guys. We got to fill it. Fill it. Fill it. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, here we go. Ten, nine, hookers, boobs, (laughs) brawls, jewelry, cars. I said brawls. Brawls? Yeah, like a bar brawl. Cars. That's what we call selective perception. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break here, bring Keith Norton on the line to talk with us. Uh, Anything else, guys, before we go to break? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right, we'll be right back after this. Ghostly Talk! (laughs) 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 (laughs)
flashed, I saw what looked like a figure standing in the hall. Okay, this is screen team. We're ready for EVP sweep. That is weird. These cameras don't do this. Water supposedly will come off and on in various rooms. It's an EMF meter started. It's going to pay much. You're listening to the number one source for paranormal evidence brought to you firsthand by real investigators in the field. No hoaxes, no disinformation. You're listening to The Ghost Project. I found myself face-to-face with someone or something that was attempting to play with my psyche as well as my physical being. How sure are you of that? I'm 100% sure of that. Listening to Ghostly Talk with your hosts, Doug, Scott L., and Ani. Revolution Renaissance. Oh boy. I hear an echo. We'll deal with that in a second. Yeah, Revolution Renaissance, that tune we just played. I'm going to try to start announcing music more on here. Oh, good uh, idea. Because we've gotten a lot of submissions from really cool bands. And uh, that was Revolution Renaissance. And that song just, I know Bonnie was in here just slamming her head around. She was going I nuts. I was. That, that stuff, I think I have that stuff hits. You can just see like a, like five guys just sitting there rocking out and like the whole earth coming down around them while they're playing. I can just see that. It was just like that kind of stuff. So really good. Revolution Renaissance. Check that band out. The song is called We Are Magic. I can, wow. do, so I can do, I can do music radio. That's awesome. I can do music radio, man. I'm not ramping it right, but you know, whatever. So, all right, what's going on here, so Doug? Next, you're going to try out for Doug FM, right? Doug, oh, wait, they Doug, don't have, uh, Doug FM. So I'll be working yeah. for you again. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. That's all I need. No, that's not mine. I, they just named it after me. We have a guest on the line. Uh, yes, we do. Who's we have here, Doug? Well, from the day he was born. Oh, no, wait, wait. <laughs> No, that's from Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's I, not, that I know it was really bad, wasn't it? Yes. But I thought it was the Don't do it again. German. Okay. You're German. It try, I tried wow. to be, yeah, I tried to... Uh, what is yeah. that? It was... Uh, okay, everyone stop, read. That's Oh, yes. From the time he was a very young boy, Keith has always felt that he had a unique gift and felt that somehow he was different from the others. And that was confirmed when we were at the uh, the show... Uh, the, the Garden City Historical yes. Museum, yeah. Exactly. He began working on his medium skills when he was about the age of 12. Mm-hmm. At first, he would practice making contact with the spirits in the afterlife just for fun, mm-hmm. but soon realized that the gift he had was something truly special. He received validation that the gift he had was real, and when he actually made contact with his grandmother, who passed over unexpectedly two years before, she continues to be an influence and a mentor from beyond the... Uh, to this day. The website is www.voicesbeyond.net. Sorry. What? I'm just saying there was a typographical error there. Sorry. Oh, Go ahead. sorry. There was a typographical <laughs> error there. But Ghostly Talk would like to uh, welcome uh, Keith Norton back. Keith, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back on. No, it's good to have you. And I think we might get a little bounce. Are you on a Bluetooth by any chance? No. Really? Hmm. Let me see here. 
We can tweak it. We can make it happen. Well, I think you're okay now. But no, we can try it. Regardless, welcome back. We we, we met you uh, back in October of 2008. Like Doug mentioned, uh, like we both mentioned at the uh, Michigan Ghost Watchers uh, Paranormal Conference there out in out in Garden City. Uh, had a great time with you, and we just had to get you back on here again. And I want to just dive into it because we don't have a whole lot of time here. And we mentioned this the first half hour. We were talking about who we're going to have on the show tonight and whatnot, and. We were kind of talking. Doug brought up a point of, are you experiencing right, I, more? We'll go, I know, I know this the opposite of what, because you, you had said, um, what, what's been going on for the past couple of years? Is there like a lull? That kind of thing. And, and, and perhaps, I mean, I, I, I think so, but in the, just this past month, I was just, or, well, it would be January and, and February. Mm-hmm. I've actually noticed an increase, at least around me. Now, maybe I'm just being more aware or something or, uh, of the things that happen around me, but I've noticed a bit of an increase. But over the last couple of years, Keith, you were saying that there there might be a bit of a lull. What have you noticed? Well, it seems like, you know, I've been doing paranormal investigations now with different groups for about 10 years. And, you know, five, six years ago, it seems like we were getting a call average of maybe once, twice a week about, you know, help, I'm having this activity in my house. You know, and over the last, probably five years it's just tapered off to like we're not getting a call at all hardly anymore i mean we might get one in a blue moon but you know it i just think it's you know tied to the solar cycle and whatnot i i don't have an explanation but i just was curious to see if anybody else out there you know you guys are in contact Mm -hmm. with other paranormal groups and Mm -hmm. see if they're experiencing the same thing because we're you know you're still got all the big haunts that you know are playing out all the time like waverly and gettysburg and you know the myrtles plantation the whaley house all those are you know still have activity but your everyday normal paranormal activity in the house is that an oxymoron normal paranormal activity (laughs) (laughs) well i just throw that in there Go ahead, Keith. But, you know, your everyday run-of-the-mill um, paranormal activity, like people experiencing um, past relatives coming through or, you know, former residents, it just doesn't seem like it's happening a lot anymore. Well, the one thing I'd like to point out maybe is this, and it may not even, it may not be that really otherworldly of an explanation, but, and it's something that's come up a lot here on the show here recently, and it isn't TV show stuff, by the way, Doug. It's, oh, good. It's something out besides that, but it ties in. Um, it's that there are a lot more, and this isn't saying that they're going, well, they're better than you, Keith. There's no, we, we got better people than you. We don't need you, but, but there are, I know, especially, over the last five years, the amount of paranormal investigate public teams that are out mm-hmm. there, like putting their name around, they got their MySpace page and stuff like that, are out there putting their name around. And I think that maybe there, it's just there's so many more groups out there that you know it's kind of the, like all the calls people used to maybe get because they were like maybe the only person within a 50 mile radius. It's being thinned out a little bit now because there's a lot more groups within that 50 mile radius. So it's official. The market has become saturated. saturated. I mean, yes. do you follow what I'm saying, Keith? Yeah, I do, and I totally can, you know, respect that and mm-hmm. understand that. I mean, and it's a very good possibility. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I've been doing this quite a few years, and it just seems like, you know, it has become more commonplace to be in a paranormal group. I mean, you should have seen the stares I got 10 years ago when they're like, oh, what do you do for a hobby? Oh, I'm in a paranormal group. You're a, you're a what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Oh, I'm a ghost hunter. Mm-hmm. Holy, you know, I mean, it's like mm-hmm. people would freak out. They'd be like, so you go into, like, Places that have ghostly activity and just do what and why. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, hey, you know, I had somebody come up to me like a few months ago and go, so I hear you're a ghost hunter. That's really cool. Tell me some of your stories. 
Well, that's you know, a, so it's like become mm-hmm. more commonplace. Well, yeah, I think it's much more accepted, which is a good thing. Uh, but again, there's just a lot more people involved with that. And I mean, I could spend the next 15 minutes ranting about that, but I won't. Because <laughs> we've done it. Because we've done enough, and I don't want to kill you, Keith, so I don't want to kill your time here. So, um, but no, I think, it, I think that's one of the sole reasons, though, is that there's just so many more groups out there. And not just, you know, I'm talking groups, so that's multiple people, so that's even more people, that more contacts, that whole thing snowballs. I think that may be a big reason. I don't know. I think that I don't really, I couldn't really put my finger on anything like really otherworldly though. I think it's just that. I, I think awareness is at its height right now. So I don't see people like getting, you know, like where it's like, well, just the, well, what you mentioned the solar cycle, Keith. I'd like to hear about that. Well, you know, the solar cycle is an 11 year cycle and I, frequently will watch what's going on with the solar activity because solar flares generate what they call coronal mass ejections, and those are what they basically solar flares, long story short. And the radiation or the energy from the solar flares, if it reaches a certain class level, will actually hamper radio frequencies, wipe out, you know, communications, and that actually will play or cause paranormal activity because, you know, the paranormal world needs energy to feed off of, so you know, it all falls in hand in hand, and really there's been, for the last three years, the sun has been completely blank. I mean, there's been one or two solar, you know, hot spots, or sunspots, they mm-hmm. call them. Mm-hmm. You know, but nothing like, you know, back in 2004, 2003, where we had the major, I don't even know what it was, X-Class, and it was like, you know, it seemed like we were getting three, four calls a week at that time. Wow. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it seems to be in the, and, and it's, you know, it's, Obviously, with you know, scientists can calculate the eleven-year cycle. We're on the upside of it, um, but it just seems like we're at the rock bottom right now. Well, I my only explanation still would be just like it seems like there's just so many people out there now. Um, you know, and that's true. That's there's very just true. so many people out there now. I mean, and I my only issue with that though is that there's a lot more people out there, and I think a big issue, and we've talked to. Dozens of people about that in the last few months it's come up where um, people are like, yeah, there's a lot more people in the field, but they're not taking the time to learn. They just want to, you know, and like anybody, I mean, when you buy a new DVD player, you don't want to go and grab the instruction book and read the thing cover to cover. You want to take that. Well, no, especially if you're a man, you just want to take that thing, plug it into the TV and start pushing buttons, right? I don't blame you for that. But, you know, I do believe that in some of these situations that if you do not do the reading you need and get the experience you need and talk to the mentors you need to talk to, you may be putting yourself in danger. Not, not even from a, like a paranormal standpoint. You could psych yourself out. We, we talked to the guys mm-hmm. from Tips a few weeks ago, and we've talked about that a million times, where you can literally do yourself some damage, I think, mentally on your own if you don't study this stuff and learn before you go out into the field and start taking on these cases and whatnot. Uh, maybe a bit too much. Exactly. You know, like somebody like yourself, you have a lot more experience. You've been doing this for, you know, over a decade. Uh, we're pushing a decade doing this stuff now, you know, actively. Um don't mean we know anything, <laughs> but <laughs> not yet. But I mean, it's it isn't about the quantity; it's about the quality. I think, and that's a big thing people need to look right. out for. You know, um, right, right. The other problem, well, the, the other point I'd like to make on that too is that uh, this field is very. We've been saying this a lot too. Is that there's just the barriers to entry in this field are very low, and that's a big thing I think people are going to start taking more accountability for down the road. Is that you know we talked to someone about something like this this week. 
about people saying they have fake degrees and stuff like this and referring to themselves as a doctor. And, of course, we know the term doctor carries a lot of weight behind it, right? So when you say, hi, I'm doctor, if I said, hi, I'm Scott, right, you're going, oh, hey, Scott, how you doing? Nice to meet you. If I say, hi, I'm Dr. Scott, uh, yet another um, Rocky Horror Picture Show And I'm going to go, hey, reference. what a pompous ass. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I'm just saying. But it does carry a lot more weight with it in reality. So I think that's another issue. And it, it all ties together, though, Keith, I think. All these all these things that from what you asked before, I think they all tie together. Right, right. Doug? But I don't know if <laughs> has the actual activity slowed down. I don't know. Because I don't think it has. I think it may have it, it's increased personally. I wonder. I mean, I, I think it's moved around a little bit. Like, for example, Mansfield, sometimes it would be really hopping, and then one year they had not, hardly anything, and then they it came back. You know, I think, well, that might have to do with the renovations they're doing, because, you know, always Possibly, whatever yeah. you renovate, it's going to do one of two things. Yeah. And, and um, so I I just, I, I don't know. I, I've seen pretty much a constant same amount. Yeah, it's just, who, how are, you know, how do you hear about it? How... You know, I guess referrals are going to be the best way to get clients. Keith? Right, right, yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, yeah, I was... I, no, I just uh, was saying, you know, it'd be cur- I'd be curious to, you know, kind of do like a quick, you know, survey or report and see if like, you know, or study to see if like, um, you know, if it's geographically, like, you know, the West Coast is experiencing a lot more activity. You know, like you mentioned Mansfield. Yeah. How... You know, the paranormal activity changes based on where the energy is. And some areas are hot, some areas are cold, you know, and it, mm-hmm. it changes every time you go there. Well, you know, so I'm wondering if, mm-hmm. you know, different areas, and you know, well, are experiencing more activity than... I'm convinced that uh, as, a, I mean, coast to coast, I think everything's at an all, not an all-time high, but it's very active right now. I, I think it would be impossible to say that there, I mean, I that's just my opinion, uh, but I don't think... If otherworldly were speaking, like, you know, how would you say, I'm not belting this time, but I can't think. Uh, no, my point is, is there's just so much awareness out there now with everything that's going on. And I think with awareness comes, comes recognition, right? So that makes only more sense that more people are going to be reporting things. And with everything the way it right. is right now, I think that it, it, there's no way that it would be literally like flatlining and plateauing. I think that's just what I. I mean, Doug, you follow what I'm saying? You guys? I think here in the in in the uh, southeast Michigan area, yeah. I, I've heard very little over the past couple of years um, happening. But we don't stick to southeast Michigan. We go all over the. Yeah, place. we spend more time st- <laughs> going out of state now than, than we, we do here. staying here. So, so yeah, I, I mean, really, I is I, I guess it may be it you know, could the eye be of the beholder. A regional. I wonder if it, if there isn't something to it. Maybe it's a regional kind of thing. It would be interesting to do a study on that, Keith. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it just you know, not that. I mean, it would just be interesting to learn, you know, what what areas are having hotspots right now, and mm-hmm. you know, see if it is geographically, or see if it's just my perception of things. You know, mm-hmm. well, yeah, and like I said, I've been you know doing this a few years, and it just seems like the last few years have been like, you know, less and less phone calls, and you know. You know, and like you said, there is a lot more saturation in the area and, you know, in the paranormal field now. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look at all the shows that have come out, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that, again, that, that just raises, that yeah, raises and awareness. So there. I don't know what you're talking, maybe you're watching the wrong shows because there's something every single week on some of these shows. Yeah, I mean, every oh, week. And, and I, and I get some... a kick out of most of them. Yeah, I do know? too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> What's My cool? entertainment dollar is get, achieving value. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, after all these years. Wait. What? Kenny has a point that he brought it up in the chat oh, room. I don't want to hear from Kenny. <laughs> Care if you want to hear from him or not, he has. This is our show. He has a valid point, and I would like to put it out there, and then you can discuss it freely. Okay. On the break. (laughs) Go ahead. What are you going to say? I'm just kidding, Kenny. Kenny's my bro, dude. I hate you. I'm trying to read, and you're being like this. He said he believes it's not an issue of if there is less activity. He believes it's a matter of more intelligent investigators coming to the scene and not taking the crap evidence as well. That's evidence. a very good point because I, you know, while I did say a few minutes ago that I mean a lot of people are diving in too early. There are a lot of people that are learning stuff. There are people out there that are really taking the time to learn and rule out all the stuff that we used to think was like the holy grail a decade ago, right? right. And we've learned. We had to learn. We we didn't get a scholarship. We had to <laughs> make fools of ourselves a couple of times, right? Uh, and that's a very good point. I agree, Kenny. I think there's a lot of very, like Kenny said, much more intelligent investigating going on out there. Um, and people are ruling stuff out. Don't just say no to orbs. Right. It's working. <laughs> it's, right, right. It's working. Yeah, and, hmm? and I hate to say it, but with all maybe the you know maybe all the ghost shows that are on TV and all the you know the the media that's being brought forth in the cable TV environment and you know with the internet research, I mean, you know maybe people are becoming more educated and realizing that what I have, okay, let's debunk first and then call it a ghost club or you know. In a perfect world. <laughs> In a perfect world, exactly. yeah, yeah, I and I and I hope that's what's going on. I really hope right. that's what's going on because right. uh, that's what should be happening. I we hope that this show, for example, and all the other shows out there, radio shows and websites and books that are coming out, they're all. A lot of us are saying the exact same things now, you know. And especially, and I know we've been saying it here since the beginning, as far as research is concerned. It's always been, you know, try to debunk it, question everything, do the best you can. Don't go running to the Sun Tribune as soon as you take a picture of a mist in your camera. It's going to get you in trouble. Uh, that's just one right. little piece of it. So yeah, intelligent investigating, really, really good point, Kenny. Uh, and I think yeah. That's that's it, it's a huge question to ask though we cannot answer it we never I don't think we'll ever be able to answer a question like that but it's a really interesting thing to think about though Keith yeah yeah really quick I gotta get this in because we only got a couple minutes here of course we of per course. usual you know we always actually we talked about the first time we wear everything out but you mentioned that the wind tower in England that was supposedly hit by a UFO and you noted that you are amazed by this story and I'm wondering can you give us a quick overview of this thing. Well, I just, I thought it was really fascinating that there were people on the ground that, you know, I, I don't recall exactly what time the event happened, but I think it was nighttime. But, yeah. you know, those those windmill blades are, God, they're huge. They're, what, 200 feet long or something like that? Yeah. And Big. just to have it wrapped in the way it was and the one completely sheared off and what, what earth, you know, that if a plane hit that, there'd be obviously a plane crash. You know, I mean not caused by bird damage you know so what really caused that i mean those things are designed to probably stand hurricane wind so it's not like the wind could have bent that thing but i'm just fascinated by it you know with all the ufo ufo activity you hear about lately and you know there were actually eyewitnesses that said there were lights zipping around that area that night mm-hmm. well you know, i mean i just go ahead key sorry 
I, I just no, it's cool. I mean, I just was fascinated by it, and you know, wanted to get your perception on it. Well, what you uh, guys thought it was. In all honesty, have you heard? Have you read no, the story, Doug? No, I, I haven't. haven't I never read this story, and I. I keep up with my little blogger newsy things every day, and I didn't see that one. Maybe I missed it. Um, you said that there was a it was a it was a wind tower in England, and it was and it was da- it was damaged somehow. Uh, yeah, you know the it's like the wind turbine that they use to generate like electricity. Yeah, yeah. You know they're they're three four hundred feet in the air. The blades, are, yeah, they're huge. And one of the blades was actually like bent, like in a corkscrew pattern. The other one was completely sheared off and ended up on the ground. And, you know, I've seen those things going down the freeway in some of my travels, and they're not exactly, I mean, they're not exactly that easy to break. They're pretty well, heavy no, duty. They, they move like a mile a year. They're really slow and cumbersome. Sometimes they're, they're not. Well, yeah. Sometimes they're the fast rotating ones. The ones I've seen in Ohio, they're The ones real in Ohio move slow. very slow, but yeah. they still work. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah right, they, but you think of the amount of power that would require to move that thing at a complete revolution. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we're you talking. Know, about. I mean, Let alone shear one of the blades off. It is weird, right? right. And they said they right. said it was not an airplane that hit this thing at all. They proved it. No. It was not an airplane. They, they well, they don't know. My my guess is, you know, if an airplane had hit this thing, I mean, first of all, the blades are several feet apart, and if a bla- if a plane had actually flown through this, you would think that the result would be a plane wreck, and the tower was not even damaged. So that's it, the thing. Is it? They don't know what happened, or you know. I was just amazed by the story. Wow, I'm gonna have to look at this. I'm looking into this story a little bit more. We'll talk. Interesting. About yeah, it was I about the a pictures. month or so ago back. Really, I must. It just... was, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was about a month ago or so. And they can't explain. It. They said there was no plane, obviously, and one of the one of the blades got knocked off. One of them was one of them was corkscrewed, bent around. Yeah, <sighs> I'm telling you, I mean, people are seeing these you know? things. Yeah. Go ahead, Doug. Yep. No, I, I think that's fascinating, and and obviously it would take more than just a, a high school prank or whatever to pull this off. Yeah, you're not throwing uh, a rock at it. Yeah, it happen, I don't think so. Right, yeah, right, right. Well, we're going to be seeing you again. We got at least got a couple minutes here, unfortunately. We're going to be seeing you again because uh, it's going on again. I got the email. I, we got the invite from Cindy Blake. Uh, Michigan Excellent. Ghost Watchers, uh, Michigan Paranormal Conference 2009, bigger and better and even cooler this year. And you're gonna be you're gonna be going back there again, right, Keith? Yes, I am. Um, I'm not gonna speak this year, but you know we've got a great lineup. Um, it's gonna be held at the Bailey Recreation Center in Westland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an all-day event, and it's going from one to nine that day. And uh, all the information is actually on GhostWatchers.org. There's an actual main page. It's right on the main page, and you can click there and get all the information on how to purchase tickets and et cetera. And, mm-hmm. um, for speakers, we've got, you know, Bill Konkoleski. We've yes. got Keith Age coming in. Um, cool. Yourself and Doug are going to be there. Bishop James they Long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie wants to veto those two. Scott and Doug suck. Yeah, she don't want us going. And, uh, Chris Bailey from Grinstone is yes. coming back. Awesome. Yes. Um, you know, last year was awesome. It was really cool to see a bunch of groups. We had people from Chicago come in, and yeah. it was cool to see groups come in and actually bond and form, you know, communications instead of, you know, 
bashing each other or the attitude of the ego that usually happens with conferences. And, yeah. you know, when we walked away from there, it was really cool. It was like, wow, what a great weekend. Well, we were was. some of the last people to leave, if you remember that, you know, <laughs> as we did the show from there last uh, last year. Right, right. And I, right. I know we left there just on a, on a cloud. I know we all did. Yeah. I was so inspired leaving there. And that's, that's what I always tell people, you know, well, what, what are the good conferences to go to, Scott? And I always tell people that the ones you leave there – feeling inspired to keep doing work or try new things or whatever it may be within the paranormal, uh, those are the ones you want to go to. And that's that's what it's all about. I know we left there feeling completely inspired. Unfortunately, Keith, we are at the top of the hour, though. We do have to go to break. But, no, Keith, we again, you know, thanks for 2008 there, too. You guys made us so feel so welcome. You took such good care of us. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys there again this year in 2009. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be fun. And like I said, the information's on ghostwatchers.org. Um, there's a lot of good stuff happening. You know, it's a one-day event this year compared to a all weekend. And, you know, awesome. there's going to be vendors, et cetera. But all the information, like I said, is on ghostwatchers.org. So. Fantastic. Awesome. Keith, we got to, we got to thank you for Looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. And thanks for thanks, joining guys. us, too. Yeah. It's been a while. A lot of fun, as always. So. Yeah. Yep. Good, yep. To, good to talk to you. And we'll have to do it again. Hang tight, though. Don't leave us just yet, okay? Okay, we'll do. All right, stand by. All right, guys, awesome. Yes, really, cool. absolutely. Coming up, yeah. Jeff Peckman. Uh, wow, this is going speaking to of be, UFOs. Yeah, yeah, speaking of UFOs, that that's going to be interesting. Um, so, so what what's coming up? Is is this more independent music? Is this we got rap coming up? We're gonna talk. Wow, right. We got oh, a that rap. Scares me. We got a rap band coming up. Indie here. rap. Because we're going to have to... Okay, I'm still called, looking for indie post. These guys sent me this song, and the, the original mix they sent me had curse words in it, and I'm yeah. like, look, I like it, but we can't have it. So they, they actually were nice enough to make an edited version of it for us. Wow. And they're called uh, Gormandizer and Cilantro. The song's called Wasting Time. Uh, Sounds delicious. Wasting Time too. on You. Listen to the lyrics. They're really cool, too. All right, I'm guys. go smoke. <laughs> <laughs> that's way to be right on the ball there. <laughs> hey, that's what I'm doing. This is Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott L. And I'm Doug. And I'm Bonnie. We'll be right back after this. You are listening to Ghostly Talk. This is an EVP. This is an EVP. These were recorded by the Long Island Ghost Hunting Team. Light. To hear more, come listen to Light Paranormal Radio. Go to lightparanormal.com and subscribe to us in iTunes. No, I heard a woman's voice. You heard a woman's voice? Yeah. What is that? Sound like hello. Interested in ghosts, UFOs? How about the occult? Are you psychic? Would you like to find out? Well, if you're intrigued by the world's curiosities and all that is paranormal, then Paralore.com is a place for you. Create your own profile, start a photo album, write a blog, or just hang out and watch countless hours worth of paranormal videos while chatting with other Paralore members. Who knows? You could win a prize or two if you're quick and brave enough. It's all here, and it's all free. Visit www.paralore.com and join today. Again, membership is free, and we know you won't be disappointed. Paralore.com. Unlock your mind. Yo, cilantro. 
Where you at, yo? This taco's getting cold. It's into becoming fine success, my mind a mess. No one's putting me to the test. Even though I'm doing my best, I have to maintain ground. I start seeing it into being a bitch. The way every day from a paycheck, from a solid rock to a speck of dust. Making an honest little aim, living honestly. Constantly fighting chess to make do. Money kind of boards are ready to keep the feeble until they're on the street. Trying to make soup from a pebble. psychic. I wanted to know if I was going to win the lottery and she asked me for the numbers. The death card keeps showing up in this deck. Maybe I should get a reflector on my scooter. I keep dreaming about frogs leaping into my bed. This book says I'm just horny. 
Having a bad day at the Wheel of Fortune? KarmaCast has answers. Check out K-A-R-M-A-K-A-S-T dot com for show listings and times. KarmaCast.com is a division of Mayhem Media. This is Ghostly Time. Jeff Peckman is the author and chief proponent of the ballot initiative to create an extraterrestrial affairs commission in Denver, Colorado. He will explain his strategy for creating a shortcut path that is well lit um, for the general public to openly receive valuable knowledge of the extraterrestrial reality. The website is www.extracampaign.org. That's extracampaign.org. And we would like to welcome Jeff Peckman to Ghostly Talk. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Good evening. Yeah, it's good, it's good to have you on here. And uh, we got a lot to talk about here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, look at this. This is so incredibly exciting. Like yeah. a, an actual, like, because, you know, the government is seems to be sometimes in the business of covering up all this stuff, right? Well, that's what we've been or, hearing lately, yeah, it seems like. And, and uh, yeah, you're like, oh, wait a minute. We need the government to create an extraterrestrial affairs commission. Like, wow. That's an exact 180. And, and I think it's really, really exciting. And, and you're starting like right there in Denver. And I, I think it's really cool. What, what's, uh, how's it going? What, well, what gave you why, the idea? Yeah. Why, why'd you start this? You know, that's a big, I guess that's a good way to start. Yeah. And, uh, what, what there is obviously, you know, the, we know what the big, the, I guess what the holy grail is here, but I'm sure there's other things that you'd like to accomplish through this. So, I mean, can we go through these things real quick? Well, sure. I mean, the reason I started was that, uh, I got introduced to uh, this whole topic only about 18 months ago, I think, and uh, I heard Stan Romanek give his presentation about contact with extraterrestrial intelligent life forms and other things going on, and I thought, well, this is, you know, the public should know this sort of thing. It's important for the public to be informed so that they can be empowered about important issues, and yet nobody was really paying much attention. And then I heard John Schusler, a former NASA engineer who was a co-founder of MUFON, a mutual UFO network, talking about the government side. He had a stack of papers that were declassified and all the evidence I needed to show that, yeah, the government has been covering up this kind of thing. So the idea just sprung into my mind. I knew how to do a ballot initiative, and I realized that after John said he didn't expect the government to disclose this information in his lifetime, inside a light just went on, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, don't forget the fact that we are the government, you know, the people in this room and the people in Washington, D.C. are our public servants. They're not the masters of our destiny. So we can just do this ourselves. We can do it with a ballot initiative. We can get the information that Stan has and other people who have had or have credible evidence and get that directly to the public and just change the dynamic of this whole disclosure process. Well, it seems... I. That's the idea, I think, that, you know, they do serve us. And, you know, I hope that, you know, by pushing this thing through, we could, we could get more information on this as far, well, as far as having much more stuff disclosed. It's been a practice, it seems, all the way back to Roswell. I mean, and, I mean, 
Who do you trust? My question is really, you know, but how did you, how did you know how to do a ballot initiative? Was it a, a thing that you did for work or have you uh, worked on, um, perhaps some things to get some laws enacted or, or things done for, uh, uh, charitable work? I mean, how, how did, how did that work out? Well, I had a, a very, uh, it came as a result of a rude awakening. <laughs> I was <laughs> running for office, uh, as a third party. And, uh, in a third party and, uh, third party candidates, nobody pays them any attention. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, in Colorado, there was a ballot initiative about regulating hog farms in eastern Colorado where hardly anybody lives. And these, this issue was getting double page coverage in the news. I thought, well now that's the way to go because I've always been very solution oriented. I didn't like, you know, promoting myself as a candidate, and that was sort of an accident. It wasn't my intention even to run, but my name was sort of thrown in the hat. And I thought, well, maybe there's a way to, you know, talk up some issues. And so that was another awakening. I saw this seems to be this is something I can do. So I learned how to do a ballot initiative. I did one in Oregon. I drafted something to label genetically engineered food back in 2002, and Excellent. it got on the ballot there. Thank you. I'm tired of this frankenfruit stuff we have to eat. Yeah, exactly. But Paul McCartney endorsed it. All the major uh, environmental organizations, farming organizations were endorsing it. Got a lot of publicity, not for me because I wasn't directly involved. I had just drafted it, but I acted as a spokesperson and kind of helped uh, be a liaison between the campaign and other organizations. And that really made a big impact. And I did something in Denver called the Safety Through Peace Initiative five years ago. And uh, it was just a way to, you know, reduce the collective amount of stress in the city as a means to reducing crime rates and improving public safety. And there's been a lot of documentation, a lot of scientific research, very peer-reviewed journal research that's been out there for years. I thought this would be a good way to introduce that. So that was my second initiative, and now this is my third. I wasn't intending to do another one, but I just saw the uh, the power of the people at work in a ballot initiative that you don't really see in a candidate campaign, because then they become the lawmaker. Just the average citizen wow. becomes the lawmaker, and it's just very different for them, and it can move issues forward. Well, in regards to extraterrestrial things here, um, we've talked briefly here so far about these, you know, my brain is just not firing tonight. I'm working on Forgive me, Jeff. Uh, we've, well, we've talked about, you know, this initiative that's going through. Why do you think the government's so hell-bent on covering this stuff up, though, all the time? I don't understand. We've, we've exchanged ideas about this before, but I'm wondering, why is it they have to take all this work to get them to actually, okay, look, here's the papers. You know? And we have talked about this before because, Jeff, is, it's like, um, you, you see it on TV during October, you know, the, the, oh, God, the whole yeah. UFO things all the time, and, there, and even sometimes not in October. Yeah. Um, it's, and pretty much, I think, if there's a, a living soul on the planet who has a TV and some kind of cable You've seen service, something on UFOs. You've seen something on UFOs on your TV, and so, so I think pretty much it's well known yeah. that a lot, lot, lot of people think that the government knows something that they're not telling us. Well, yes, and, you know, volumes have been written about this by scholars and very dedicated researchers, and this ballot initiative was done in large part to to offer them an, uh, an attentive audience in Denver, people that are going to take this issue seriously because they're going to have to vote on it. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, when they don't have to make a choice. It doesn't really matter. A lot of the information just goes right past them as entertainment or curiosity. 
but they do take their vote seriously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the government cover-up, I mean, the government covers up a lot of stuff. You know, millions of emails go missing, documents aren't found, you know, things happen. And a lot of it is just to for the people in control to maintain control in whatever way that benefits them. Yeah. And so, you know, you you confuse the issue, you deny it happening, you ridicule people that are trying to reveal the information. And basically, it confuses the public. And, in, for example, in a ballot initiative, any kind of issue... When the public is confused, the default vote is to vote no. They, they don't right. want to take a step of progress because, you know, they're just afraid that might, they might make a mistake. So, you know, leave things as they are. So it's a way to kind of, you know, keeping the general population ignorant is something that, you know, dictators have done throughout history and controlling interests. It's just the way they they keep control, keeping people ignorant, confused, and in fear. And there are a lot of uh, votes now, um, ba- you know, ballot votes uh, here in Michigan, yeah. where if you vote no, you're actually voting for something. They uh-huh. they word it oh, differently, yeah. you know, and then, and then of course, there's a big campaign every every. Well, there was year. that whole mailing campaign they did. Companies started to do the same type of thing yeah. where um, they'd send you some garbage, you know, buy our product, but, you know, they'd say, you need to respond to this to deny it. If you don't respond to this, we're just going to start sending yes, crap to you exactly. and start sending and, charging. and I got hit a couple times and I just was like, yeah. oh, this is garbage. Shred this thing. And I didn't read the fine print, which I shouldn't have to. Right. I don't so want it. It's the same thing if you, yeah. if you vote. No, you're voting yes. Yeah. Well, how come people, when they see this on their ballots, right? I, I'm hoping that it'll end up on the ballot. But Absolutely. The, yeah. the, um, when they see it on their ballot, why, why wouldn't they read it and say, I I think what I'm voting for is whether I believe aliens exist or not. I mean, because I I don't know if I if I would think that if I'm reading this. Like, yes, I believe in aliens, or no, I don't. I mean, is is well, that? I wonder what, what the slant's going to be on this. Like, you know, there's going to be a debate over this, and Jeff, you have your side of it, and there's going to be another side of it, obviously too. I'm wondering what the other side's going to be. Like, okay, if we let this thing go through, all the weirdos are going to come through the woodwork, and we're never going to be able to move around. I mean, I can't think of a bad thing for people to say though, except for something like that. Other than it costs money, and they may not exist. You follow what we're saying, Jeff? Well, yes, but as far as the money, it's very specifically worded that this would not cost the taxpayers anything. It would be funded entirely by grants, gifts, and donations, and it would specifically not require any outlay from the city budget. So that that covers that part. The other part about, you know, what the discussion is, well, that's part of the reason for doing it. It's taking this issue, and in that context of a ballot initiative, it's bringing it into the court of public opinion where you have a jury. And both sides of the issue will be debated. And one of the most fascinating things about this process, when you engage the public in that way, not only do they very thoughtfully deliberate on the issue, but you'll find classrooms all over Denver and around the country that will pick on this particular initiative. They will pick this one, and they'll say, let's use this one to learn about democracy and politics and this form of government, self-government. And then they'll they'll become the experts. You know, the sixth graders, eighth graders in social studies classes, and they will dig into this issue and they'll get exposed to a lot of this information. And then they will make up their... They'll debate it, they'll vote on it, hold a mock election. But it really raises the issue in a way that just doesn't happen when you're putting it on television as a you know one-hour special on yeah. ABC. 
Well, I think that this type, it would be, it's a lot, it's easier for a kid to bite down on something like this too. I mean, a young person. Um, but yeah, is it, while it's important to get to the young kids and, and have them exposed to this stuff, like you just said, um, the higher volume things where, you know, people will, the adults who actually can vote for real, right? Uh, it needs to be exposed to people like that. I just, I'm still perplexed on that. I don't want, I don't want to sit on this idea, but it's, it's taking something like this. You know, and people, other people have rallied like this before in the past. Uh, it's taking something like this to really try to get the government to go, look, here's the documents, here's the information. I don't see why it would be such a stretch, but well, for I don't some think reason, that that's what the initiative is. I, I, the, the initiative is to, uh, to make a, a, an extraterrestrial affairs commission, but not to open up all documents that the government knows. Well, open up some guided tours of. Uh, of of uh well no, that's fine area 51 yeah. or anything I, yeah. I think that this is you know to get a to get a foothold in 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 a governmental office building isn't this somewhere. what the ultimate goal though is is for people is for wouldn't it be great well that's just a personal opinion jeff you fought <laughs> <laughs> i think i think scott wants uh you know uh our new president to come out and just say oh yes by the way they're here <laughs> Here's bleep and here's blop and, and we're all, you know, one big happy universe. But, but it's not, this might be a start to that, yeah. but we're still talking a long way down well, that, the line. Well, yeah, and that, it, it is a good start. I mean, are we correct, Jeff? Well, yes. You know, this, this is a local ballot initiative that cannot require any government outside the city of Denver to do anything. Yeah. And yet, it, this commission would be charged with gathering the best available credible evidence and sharing it with the general public oh, in Denver okay. and then to share it with the different departments of government that yeah. would have a reason to know for whatever you know whatever reason I mean they and they will also be asked to try to assess the risks and the benefits of interacting with extraterrestrial intelligent beings and then again just to keep the public informed to have that evidence on the, the Denver City website references how people can find out more just to basically brief the general population with what whatever we can gather as as a credible evidence in the same way that Congress might be briefed yeah. if they chose to. And uh, I don't expect uh, Obama just on his own to come out and say, all right, here it is, you know, here's all the files, for two reasons. First of all, I think it's important for us to do it, for us to be involved in the process, because this becomes a very personal decision for any individual on this planet to acknowledge the existence of extraterrestrial civilizations, that this is really this is a reality, and to deal with it in their own way. So it is very personal. It's a, it is a grassroots kind of thing. Yeah. And secondly, Obama relies on that kind of grassroots activism. Well, that's what got him into the White House, first mm -hmm. of all, uh -huh. and everything that he's doing is encouraging more of that because that's just the opposite of what the Bush administration was doing, when it was oh, just yeah. kind of a top-down controlling thing and nobody heavy else hand. really mattered. Yeah, very heavy-handed. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. So I think that I think it has to be, I don't think it'll be only us or only the Obama administration. I think it will be both together, and that's the way it should be. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, we're, I mean, this we talked about this initiative and what's going on and, and what it's about. Where are you guys at now with this? I mean, do you have a status on where it's at? Yes, it's it's under my table in a box. <laughs> <laughs> it's on hold. Perhaps I phrased been. that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's been on hold since November. Uh-huh. In fact, just about uh, there was a period where I I rewrote it and made some very important changes that everybody agreed really needed to be made. Then we started over essentially, and then I found out that this might have been the only ballot uh, on the uh, in the election this coming May if we collected all of our signatures with no other candidates and it would have cost the city half a million dollars so at that point I thought you know even though even though I could justify it I knew that people would use that as a reason to attack the initiative so I put it on hold and then gave the city council a month to decide if they wanted to pass it themselves which they could in order to avoid that cost and uh-huh. still bring people the benefits of this this commission and since they didn't at that point it was about two weeks before the Election. It looked like Obama was going to win, and people were around him that we knew were favorable to disclosure. So right after he was elected, uh, I just told everybody, okay, we're going to put this on hold for a few months. It won't have any impact on our ability to get it on the, the ballot November of 2009. Let's see if Obama makes a move in this direction. We'll just give him the benefit of the doubt for, you know, maybe the first 100 days or whatever, yeah. and just see. And uh, then if nothing happens, well, we can pick it up again. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a lot of work, though, it sounds like, to do something like this. And that, that's what just blows me away is that, again, I, I want to state that point. I mean, this is what it's taking to – again, I mean, and this is like you said, this is a grassroots level right here to make this happen. And this is just one small area, right? I mean, that the whole country came together and did something like this. I mean, I don't know how that would be organized because I'm not a politician by any means. But just seeing this from a grassroots level is really cool to see, you know, see somebody try to put this in action. So I commend you for that. Now, also, you've been doing some – we've only got a couple more minutes here before we have to go to break, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, – you're well. Basically, you're you're doing writing. It says here. Uh, well, you're actually trying to bring out disclosure to the UFO extraterrestrial X Files uh, to the public. From what I see here, uh, you've been writing articles for the Examiner, and you know we've. I know on a weekly basis, I read a, you know a lot of articles, well, except for the one that we just talked about a half an hour ago with Keith Norton. That kind of blew me away. Yeah, some UFO. Yeah, hit a wind yeah. turbine or yeah, something and, in England. I totally missed it myself. So reading a lot of the cow. It wasn't a UFO. It was a cow that flew up there and knocked that thing down. Oh. That's the Air Force's version. <laughs> Is that well, it? so? You know about the story then? Yeah. Okay. It was well, a cow. It was a cow. Well, they were joking the about that because they thought, well, what what could do this kind of damage? And somebody said, well, a, a cow could if it was, <laughs> if it was hurled at the turbine. <laughs> So is this, like, like, is this like Apocalypse Now when they were like hoisting the cow up and the, yeah, well, I already saw Apocalypse Now. That's, that's going to fly over his head, but they're saying a cow, well, it's a joke, obviously. But yeah, you're, you're kind familiar. Of a Monty Python joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're familiar with this story, though, obviously. Yeah. Um, and you do writing for the Examiner. Um, and, you know, like, being as a reader, because I don't write any articles, uh, you're doing it right. So what are the most, what have been some of the most interesting ones you've done? Well, I posted something about the former CEO of Lockheed, Ben Rich. He was exchanging some handwritten letters and uh, emails with uh, John Andrews of the Tester Model Corporation, and they were basically acknowledging with each other that they both believed that the UFOs that we're seeing, some are things that we built, you know, Americans, and some that they built extraterrestrials and okay. some of the design characteristics of uh, you know the top secret steel fighters and the spy planes that were American made came from the crashed Roswell UFO and they were acknowledging that to each other 
so that that just shows that yeah they they knew about this this is Lockheed Skunk Works uh-huh. and uh the black ops part of uh of, of Lockheed and then uh, also NASA Gary McKinnon the UK hacker that hacked into NASA and other uh I remember US intelligence him. and military agencies yeah. well you know he was almost extradited to the United States for that but what I pointed out was that what many whistleblowers have already stated is that, the, that NASA has doctored photos that had images of UFOs in the background. They've destroyed the photos, and yet they come back to taxpayers to get $17 billion a year to keep looking for signs of extraterrestrial life. Okay? Uh-huh. Now, to me, that, you know, by any definition, that constitutes fraud. Absolutely. I mean, it's no different than Enron, you know? Uh, cooking its books to defraud investors or whatever. Uh-huh. And so that was interesting. But one I just had a lot of fun with uh, over this last weekend, and it's up there now, is what influence UFOs might have had on Renaissance, uh, the great Renaissance people, you know, Columbus and uh, Da Vinci and Michelangelo. And, you know, there's, ish- there's uh, images of what looks like flying saucers in the back of, you know, it's like Madonna and Child and flying saucer you know? <laughs> and uh and da vinci made this thing it was an armored car that just looks like a flying saucer and it was all around the same time and these people were there in, in florence at the center of the culture of the renaissance all at about the same time with these different ufo looking images and columbus even saw what you know described something that looked like a, a light bouncing around coming and going that he couldn't explain just yeah. before four hours before he hit land. You've heard these stories before. Uh-huh. But I just thought it was fascinating that all these people were probably around about the same time, could have been sitting at a bistro in a, Tus- you know, a Tuscan uh, bistro at, in Florence uh, you know, in the afternoon talking about this stuff. You know, what is that up there? And why? <laughs> Michelangelo, you know, he's, he was all part of this. So uh-huh. uh, even Copernicus showed up around that time. And, uh, well, as- and his, you know, yeah. It just kept going like that. Well, as we know, I mean, we've seen all types of stuff through history. I mean, my favorite example will always be the Egyptians. All types of hieroglyphs with these, with, with helicopters, like, you know, like humans right, and, yeah. and, and right. jets and all these weird, and, you know, and of course, UFOs, dish shape objects. Um, so it's perplexing to say the least. And even, even in the Renaissance period like that, to see this type of inspiration put into artwork and whatnot, it makes you think like, what were these people seeing up in the sky? Is it the same thing that we're seeing? Cause we have our own art too here. You know, I know people still, we have our own things that maybe, if we ever, don't ever answer any of these questions, they may be saying the same thing. Somebody may be writing an article 50, uh, well, let's say 150 years down the road about us, Jeff, in the same calib- you know, caliber saying, well, when those guys were making those JPEG images or those Photoshop images, they were Photoshopping UFOs in there. What's going on with that? So, you know, I think it, it goes through history like it does, but it makes you think. And that's, that's really interesting. Jeff, hang on for one second, though. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we got a lot to cover here. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff to talk about still. Uh, so Jeff, thanks for joining us. Hang tight for one second. Um, this is Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott L. And I'm Doug. And I'm Bonnie. We'll be right back after this. Ghostly Talk! <laughs> Do you feel like there's something happening in your home or business? Something you can't explain? Do you think that whatever is happening seems to be paranormal? Do they exist? 
Florida Ghost Hunters at FloridaGhostHunters.com are looking for haunted locations throughout Central Florida. Let the team at Florida Ghost Hunters investigate your paranormal experience. Their mission is to disprove a haunting with science, to find a reasonable explanation to a problem, and whatever is left becomes evidence. FloridaGhostHunters.com If you've experienced paranormal activity in your home or business, you are urged to visit FloridaGhostHunters.com and click Need Help. (gasps) FloridaGhostHunters.com Welcome to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio. Paranormal News is produced by Genesis Creations Entertainment. I'm your host, Bonnie Vent. Do you need a celebrity to promote your product or service? Planning a big event and want that little extra star power? Want to have lunch or dinner with the cast of Leave it to Beaver? Or dinner and a concert with Peter Noon from Herman's Hermits? Then go to Genesis Creations Entertainment at www.genesiscreations.biz and book a celebrity today. Edinburgh Skeptics will be giving their own tours. Alex Price is in the process of setting up a tour company to conduct walking tours of Edinburgh. They will consist of two history tours focusing on the actual history of the city and a third tour that's called Ghost Busted Skeptics on the Mile. They're still ironing out the finer points of exactly what the tour will consist of. The main idea is to debunk a few of the myths surrounding the hauntings of Edinburgh and upset a few of the ghost tour companies by telling the public the truth about the haunted underground city. Price says it's not haunted, it's not underground, and it's not even a city. Price says he worked there and knows firsthand that the stories are made up. On the tour, they will be demonstrating how psychic ability works and inviting people to partake in some experiments, including Ouija boards and the haunted underground. The purpose is to show people how the paranormal really works and that it's nothing more than suggestion, superstition, subconscious response, and in the case of the tours, listening to an authority figure as in the tour guide. Fort Mifflin could be saved by modern-day patriots. In a joint effort intended to draw from the collective resources of the paranormal community, the Para-X Radio Network, in association with CBS Psychic Radio, launched a crusade to defend the fort. Led locally by Mark and Robin of Para, the paranormal events will be held on May 16th and 17th, and then again on June 26th. Lectures and public paranormal investigations of the fort will be available. The first annual East Coast Paranormal Investigators Conference will also be held there October 9th through 11th. The reenactment community has also responded to the Save Fort Mifflin call for help. Rick Hitman, Lieutenant of 69th Penna Volunteer Infantry, said they will perform both Irish traditional music and Civil War period music, as well as participate in a living history if needed. Like the first patriots at Fort Mifflin who fought to create our great nation, those modern patriots are fighting to keep Fort Mifflin alive. For more information, go to www.para-x.com and click on the Fort Mifflin tab. For more information on these stories, please go to www.sdparanormal.com and the Paranormal News feed page. Don't forget, sign up for a free subscription to Paranormal News. 
Thanks for joining us today on Paranormal News. If you'd like to sponsor or advertise on Paranormal News, please send us an email at paraxnews at aol.com. You can listen to Paranormal News on Ghostly Talk Radio at www.ghostlytalk.com. Please check out their other fine shows. Or you can join us at paranormalnews.mypodcast.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Bonnie Vent. Hi, this is Luke. And this is Tobin from Quest Research. Hey, Tobin, what do you get when four guys with absolutely no video experience whatsoever decide to produce their own online paranormal TV show? I don't know what. Oh, wait, I do know. Ghost Diaries, right? That's right. You can check us out and get involved at www.questresearch.net. And the good thing about being new is that we will only get better. The television screen is the retina of the mind's eye. Therefore, television is reality, and reality is less than television. The website is www.extracampaign.org. Yep. And of course, we're talking with Jeff Peckman about uh, about the ballot initiative in Denver, Colorado. For did you kill the Did you kill a headphone mic? Yes, yes. he did. Or amp because was, the break oh. the break was screaming. Was oh, was it screaming loud? Oh, yes. was it? Oh, yeah. I'm like, I can't hear anything in the headphones now. What's going? Oh, that's way better. Well, you can still see levels bouncing. Well, yeah, but yeah, but he wants to hear. His I got experience. Sexy, it, don't you know? smoky, hot voice. I, don't you remember the old days when? I, yeah, I used to be so cool about. Oh, this is my voice. That's okay. how our guest yeah. is. Really deep. And- well, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff you, got, anyway. yeah, uh, you know. Well, uh, wait. We're talking. Oh, about- Oh yeah, Jeff. You got a new stalker, by we're, the way. We're, it's not talk- <laughs> we're talking about the ballot proposal to create an extraterrestrial can- uh, affairs commission in Denver, Colorado, and of course about deep, hex- <laughs> deep, sexy, hot voices. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I apparently wow. Doug and I do not cut the mustard. Yeah, it, it was discussed in the chat room, so I merely brought it up. Ah. Let's get right to the chase, though, because I know we're going to run out of time here, because we always Always do. do. And, you know, basically, you know, what kind of things can, like, you know, as of right now, I mean, all over the country, let's say, what can we do uh, to help, you know, help people, what kind of things can people do to help, like, disclosure take place in regards to UFOs? What kind of things can we do? Uh, A few come to mind. First of all, this examiner.com is looking for 12,000 people to be examiners in different categories. And so far, the UFO categories uh, in politics and in technology are all ranking in the top one or two. Right now, my column is number one out of 170 Denver examiners in all the normal, you know, typical categories. And nationally, it's also number one amongst over 30 technology examiners. And so there's very strong interest in this. People have been waiting so long for this information, and it's such a, a huge, important thing 
that I would just encourage people to go to examiner.com and consider writing articles for your local area about UFOs, extraterrestrial civilizations, exopolitics, anything in that field. Another one is uh, go to small claims court and file a lawsuit against NASA for fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, for a few bucks, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's offered to people. You can do that. Uh, explore doing a ballot initiative in your own locality. Mostly, there's about 10,000 cities and towns around the United States that have this kind of process. Not everybody does. Uh, less, I think, I don't know, half the states do on a statewide level. But I'd, I'd say at a local level, even one ballot initiative can really spark a lot of interest, and we've seen that just in Denver. I never even told the media that I was doing this ballot initiative, but by law I had to file something with the city that was a draft of the language, and a reporter found out about it. And then he did a story, and then the TV start, station started calling, and then, you know, here I am. Uh-huh. And it became a very big deal. So, you know, if, if 10 or 20 or 100 other cities and towns did this around the country, I think it would pretty much dominate the conversation going on for a while and really engage a lot of people. Um, so there's a few things right there. Um, attend the UFO Congress. I think this is going to be a great one in Laughlin at the end of February. Uh-huh. Uh, and also the X-Conference in, Feb- in April in Washington, D.C., I think these will be very different than ever before because they're happening at a time when, you know, President Obama has support, is now more supportive of the Freedom of Information Act. He wants more openness and transparency. So I think the character of these two conferences will be very different and very much more important than ever before. Okay. Now, and I mean... So you got to help me here. I'm falling apart tonight. Who would be I'm having the, a really rough night here? I, I'm interested in. You're like, on less sleep than I am too. And I don't know how I'm the one. I know. I don't I'm know how I'm falling out right now. Please help me. But guys. I, my thing is, <laughs> is because uh, I'm very excited about an extraterrestrial affairs commission. I just think it's really cool. But I want to be on it. At the same time, I don't. It's definitely a UFO. I don't try. <laughs> Absolutely. I, obviously, you're an excellent ghost hunter. <laughs> that is definitely a ghost. I don't care what you say. It's a ghost. Yeah. No, um, how would it work? Because what? Why would somebody like? Why would somebody head it up? Who? Who would you get to? Because yeah. obviously, you know, you, you're, you'll have to have people to form this commission, right? And yeah, and yeah. I was on like a cable commission. I was like the junior representative from a high school or whatever to to the city's cable commission for you know government stuff. You had to get a credit for yeah, that or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and so I, I, I volunteered to go do that. And it, and it was interesting. And there was you know a couple of people and we sat around and they took notes and they mm-hmm. did the Robert's Rules of Order. I had to learn a little bit about that. And, yeah, yeah. And basically it said, if you're the high school um, uh, representative to the cable commission, yeah. you're not allowed to speak at all. So I was pretty impressed with that, and and um, but but you, you get the idea is like the there's going to be like someone in charge of it, and there's going to be some underlings and a secretary and that kind of thing, and and who would it be, and what would they do all day? All right, it's a very good question, and that's outlined in the ballot initiative. You can read the entire text if you go to extracampaign.org. One of the buttons just says Denver Ballot Initiative, and that actually shows the PDF file of a three-page document that outlines what the commission is for, why it needs to be established, and what they will do. And part of that, uh, there's a section describing the qualifications for being on the commission, 
And it used to be kind of loose and required some people from the city to be on. Just I did that as a courtesy. But then I realized they may not want to be on the commission. Mm -hmm. So now it's open to people that I think several of them need to have PhDs in some related area. They need to have written books about this topic or interviewed a hundred or more people who were contactees. So there's seven different positions now to fill. They can be from, actually, (laughs) it's it's specifically worded that the people on the commission can be from anywhere in the universe. (laughs) Oh, that's uh, awesome. the (laughs) The reason I did that was because when I did the David Letterman interview, in the in the release that I had to sign before they sent me on stage, uh-huh. you know, they didn't ask me to do it till I got there. Of course, uh, they said they could <laughs> use my my photo, my image anywhere in the universe in perpetuity. And I thought, well, that's pretty expanded thinking. That's part of that's part of the verb. Wait, that's part of the verbiage. Yes, yes. In in the release, and then then I found out I've seen it in other contracts. So it's just. How they cover themselves. You well, know, you know were what? In the universe forever. We got nothing on Letterman because I thought we were forward thinking here, but we got nothing on that guy over there. I, he's, I thought first only, of all, we don't do releases. Second of all, if we did releases, I don't think we'd ever say anything about the universe in there whatsoever. I would. <laughs> now yeah, that I, I know it was people part can. of the joke because of the topic of the, the the interview that night. But no, it's just standard language in a lot of context. Wow. Now that now that I know they do it, yeah, I'm all, I'm all on it. I, I want that. <laughs> I want to be able to use stuff well, anywhere in the universe and in perpetuity. What I think is cool about about these, and I want lines. to be able to have used it as well as use it in the future. <laughs> because, and I want to be able to stalk them anywhere in the universe because <laughs> that's what we got Bonnie here for. <laughs> at any time, past, present, and future. Yeah, yeah. At any time she'll be there this at your time window. Is a concept. At yes. their, at your window, staring <laughs> in your window. Now, just what I find out. really cool about this, though, is these guidelines you kind of just went over. That the people that were going to be on this commission, they, there would be have to, there would have to be some pre-qualifications for the job. Right, um, in in a field I think right now, and we it's come up. It came up last half hour. Or uh, that it's the first, a, yeah, the paranormal. The barriers to entry are very very low. Yeah, right. Yeah. But people can just come in there and throw a doctor on their name, or say they've you know got this many you know years, and you know they're in. You know they'll they'll get all types of things, and I, and I've seen it happen personally. Uh, so the, it sounds it sounds like you guys are requiring. You know that they have had to do some groundwork. They've had to have some true experience experience that they can document that has been documented that they can show you. Uh, and I think it, you know, in order to do this job effectively, you're going to need people in there that do have true experience. Uh, any job, really, especially when it comes to this. And I think that's another step forward. And you know, hopefully, and taking that's away why, this whole fringe thing. And that's know? why they're allowed to talk when Robert's rule of order is read. Exactly. <laughs> If you're just a high school student, you don't get to. Well, the so so it is made up of some highly qualified individuals or Hopefully, people yeah. who have shown uh, both an interest and some work in the field at some point. Yeah, uh, which is which is an amazing amount of credibility. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So it's not just going to be some yahoos. And but <laughs> what if <laughs> I was trying to dance around that? But thank you, Doug. You're going right to the gut. Nice I am. I'm direct. <laughs> I'm applying for a job well, it's the truth. on you're Fox right. News. Yeah, you're right. Where I get to talk only about my opinion. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> so, so you're setting up what, what, what this could be, though, is this could end up being a model for things in everybody's uh, uh, hometowns and eventually, hopefully, states and eventually the nation. This could be a model 
for future yeah. progress in this kind of uh, uh, endeavor. Yes, it's true. And I also had proposed to the Obama administration, I applied for a job back in November when they were taking applications. And there's a field that says if you don't see the department or agency listed here, then please enter it. And so I said, well, I'm applying to be the project coordinator for the White House Commission on Extraterrestrial Affairs. And and then I explained why they needed one. Yeah. And I've encouraged other people to apply for that as well, and a few have. And so you're right. It could be a model for something in the White House that really ought to be done at that level. If it isn't, we'll just do it locally and show them how it's done. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, it's just another way to try to push this thing forward, though. Um, well, the thing is, here's what I'm thinking, Jeff. The... Um, you know, Star Wars came out, right? Big movie, everything. Uh, the, the first one, anyway. And then, of course, the fourth one was even bigger, but the, that was because of all the hoopla. But, all right, anyway, the, that's neither here nor there. In England, they actually put, you know, Oh, well, religion, they, uh, were you talking about that year? Yeah, yeah. years ago. That, that came up in the news. That, uh, in that's the how census, s- in England, they actually put Jedi. Well, as far as some people have actually claimed in re- as a religion, Jeff, that they're Jedi. That they've taken that they've taken it so seriously, so I mean that does mean something. I know so, what the point is, and 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 it, it got on a form, and and yeah. I think that that's that, they that, put it through. They said, okay, happened. well, you know, people, so many people have been putting in the other field, Jedi, that we'll just make it an official thing now. Right. So some people actually claim that, so it can be done. I think, Jeff, uh, if you, through through grassroots movement, yeah, exactly. Right, and I think that's the best way because historically, some of the most important kinds of legislation at the state level at least have happened from ballot initiatives and not from the legislators uh women's right to vote in oregon and arizona i think was from a ballot initiative and uh different child labor laws and 40-hour work week and more recently in colorado uh you know alternative energy support came from an amendment that was passed by the people could have been done by the legislature but no they're just too much influence from the fossil fuel industry. So these really, really important issues, I think, are best dealt with by the people, for the people, of the people, and you know, and all that. Yeah. Uh, so that that's that's why I think is going to lead the way. And then I think President Obama will not want to be left out of the loop. But I don't see him as actually initiating the whole process. It's going to have to be pushed through. Why do? Why would? Um an extraterrestrial affairs commission makes sense. And here, I, I mean, I know we talked about this in the very, very first question. Like, you know, you, you found out about it and then people showed you proof and you read up on it yeah, and you said, yeah. oh my gosh, you know. But why does it make sense? Like, cause my initial thing was, have we been having problems with them? And, and of course, yes, I think we have, but I want to hear it from, from, from you, Jeff. Why, why would it make sense to have one when I go to work, I come home and I never have any problems with, uh, People from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm being a little facetious for for funniness' sake, but yeah. nobody seems to think it's funny. But okay. I. But I do. I, I mean, usually what I see in government, Jeff, this is what I see. I see yeah. that. Oh, we have a problem. Somebody got hit by a car. You know that had a bird on it, and and their baby flew out the window, so we have to outlaw birds landing on cars. And then they put it all through, and, and it's, it's all ridiculousness, fight, yeah. and it's this big thing, And but it's always reactionary. This seems proactive, and I've never seen a proactive thing, at least in my life yet. 
Well, that's right, because people in government, they can't think outside the box because they are the box. Right. Good point. They have to be right there, kind of at the, you know, in the middle. And so they they never do anything that's truly cutting edge. And that's that kind of solution comes from the people who are not stuck within that framework of, of the government box. And, you know, they're crisis, that's why they're crisis management oriented. Right. They don't do anything until it becomes a crisis. So they're just dealing with one crisis after another and usually not keeping up. So this is a way to inject earlier on the idea, the, the reality that there have been these visitations by extraterrestrial beings and somebody needs to start thinking about this. Yeah. We can't rely on the government, the elected officials to do that. We should do it on our own because it does impact everything we do every day. I mean, you know, the amount that Denver taxpayers give to NASA to look for intelligent life in outer space is, you know, and their whole budget is proportionally, it's like $30 million a year. Now, there was a sort of devastating budget cut to the homeless program here in Denver, and 25% of their budget was cut off, and, and that was like $1.5 million. So, you know, everywhere you see these these budgets are being cut, people are losing their jobs, and I think when they see that there's a benefit to expanding their comprehension of what's going on in the universe and actually looking for job opportunities, trade opportunities, cultural exchange opportunities, uh, you know, taking, keeping the government from squandering money, sending a, you know, overrated vacuum cleaner to Mars to suck up dust and ice like it's at a Hollywood party, you know, and then just pass out <laughs> up there. I mean, you know, there's, there's issues with this, uh, on this topic that are affecting us every day, and that's what people don't realize. They think it's just a fringe concept uh, you know, that is a curiosity, but they don't really see the direct impact. And that's what we have to bring home to the people, that it is affecting them in many ways that they don't realize. I think it's just classic politics at work. When it comes to, well, you're talking about being proactive, Doug. Right. And you know this is exactly what happens. Hey, we need to be proactive on this issue, guys. We need to get to work on this. It's never going to work, right? So I think what happens is so, a lot of people, especially in, in government, they're afraid of kind of stepping outside of that box because, as Jeff mentioned, uh, they are the box, right? So if they step outside of that, go against the norm some way, and they end up, God forbid, being wrong or something goes wrong in, in the process, they're going to take a trampling from everybody else, right? So I think that may be another issue, just politically speaking, that people are afraid to step outside of that because they don't want to go against the grain, which is the obvious thing. But I think it's just a matter of, well, we told you so kind of stuff, which, you know, we deal with that daily in our work lives, too. We right. told you not to do that. It's broken now. Now we have to fix it. Now it's in crisis mode. They're going to say, well, you created a crisis. It wasn't a crisis before, but now it is because you tried to do something. Right. There's it. a lot of blame going back and forth. Well, yeah. That's it's what all these is. is but they are them. really definitely, you know, crisis, it's a crisis machine. And, yeah. and I've noticed that over and over and over again. And that's why, thank you, Jeff, for um, explaining that this is why, um, you know, at, at the local level, ex uh, an extraterrestrial affairs commission is, this is where you do proactive stuff. Yeah. That's the only way to do proactive stuff because it's not going to happen in a crisis mode until E.T. comes and lands on the White House lawn, right, and and does it in front of cameras and everybody. And, and uh -huh. you know, uh, then it becomes crisis, and that's what they're good at. Yeah. But they're not good at this. This is well, where the people ahead. and ballot initiatives are good. we got a couple minutes left, unfortunately, Jeff. I knew we were going to crank right through this. Uh, and we mentioned earlier that there you, you're going to be speaking at a few conferences this year. Uh, where are you going to be speaking at? 
uh, Laughlin, Nevada, the UFO, International UFO Congress, and that's ufocongress.com. And then X Conference in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, mm-hmm. in uh, April, mid-April. And that's, uh, you can go to both of those things, I think, from my website, um, at least X Conference, and then, yeah, UFO Congress, too. So, and you're beyond that's those. Excellent. There's a... With the con- we go to a lot of conferences within the ghost hunting thing, uh, which those kind of the, the paranormal. Well, we go to paranormal conferences more, I think. Which right. the term paranormal just doesn't in- involved just uh, just ghosts per se. We we talk to a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life, but these are strictly UFO conferences, though, right, Jeff? Right. I mean, there's there's getting to be more and more overlap. Oh yeah. Because there's you know interdimensional beings and celestial beings and extraterrestrial beings and all kinds of, you know, beings <laughs> commingling and, <laughs> and uh, talking up this stuff. So yeah. uh, I think we're going to, you know, we may cross paths at some time. Well, and it just kind of drives our point home that we've been just drilling here for the last, you know, six, seven years is that we, I think both of us, Doug, and I think, Bonnie, you're in the same boat we are here, uh, that, you know, we're convinced strange stuff is going on, whether it be UFOs or ghosts or whatever. And I think most of it's related. Oh, well, that's, yeah. Oh, what, probably. That's the real question, though, I think, is, yeah, I, I believe that, too. But you're saying, you're kind of illustrating that for us some more, Jeff, that we think it's related, and it, it's obvious, because a lot of the stuff is intermingling with each other, and we're hearing a lot more ideas. Or maybe we're all outside of the box, and we're just bumping into each other. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it does seem to be happening. The um, there there is one thing uh, that I didn't get to ask about. Well, do do we have enough time? We got plenty of time. Go ahead. We have a couple minutes. Yeah. Okay. I didn't get to ask about the World Peace Market website. Well, you can access that also from extracampaign.org, and that was actually what I was supposed to be working on before I got involved in the ballot initiative. And it primarily promotes a new technology called Metatron technology which is a certain quality of light that can be brought into your environment through your computer as a download, many even free downloads, that uh, people have uh, had very nice experiences with that because one of the side benefits is that it seems to eliminate the chaos of man-made electromagnetic fields by taking lost information that drops off in a signal over time and distance and reintegrating that, that chaos, that uh, background inaudible noise back into the signal so that it removes the chaos from your environment, enriches the signal, and just creates a nicer working, studying environment. And if you go to worldpeacemarket.com, actually it goes to reduce EMF stress, and then you'll see a testimonials and an explanation about the, the technology, and it's really quite profound what people have been experiencing. And there's some things you can get for free. They're full download permanent versions that you can just put it on your computer and enjoy the benefit of that, and uh, it's a way just to introduce it to people, and I'll be talking more about this at the uh, UFO Congress and working more on this, promoting this over time. Fantastic. And that's interesting yeah. because a lot of things in you know, other realms of study have to do with vibrations and with with you know um order versus chaos you know that kind of oh, thing yeah, yeah. and and this sounds like they're doing some some research and making computer programs and stuff well there's <laughs> been talk about how many signals go through us all the time right 
and at how any given it moment could have an effect on us. I mean, just any given and usually office, it makes you cranky. Work. Well, yeah, when any I'm at the given office, office you're yeah. working at, there's about 400 cell phones around you, uh, laptops and computers all over the place, uh, all types of communication devices left and right, fax machines. I mean, there are all these things shooting signals left and right, uh, and you know we've often wondered like, what does that what kind of effect does that have on you after a while? It makes me cranky. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to get out of the office as much as possible. So that's so very, I, yeah, I very where, interesting. I see where this could be of uh, of, of interesting use. Yeah, yes. yeah. Jeff, we got to thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming on and hanging out with us for the last hour here. Hang on the line for one second, though. Don't just leave us yet, okay? Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. The, the website is www.extracampaign.org, and and there's links on that site to to you know many of the things that yeah, we talked about yeah. this past hour. Mm-hmm. Check them out. Um, so so check it out. You know the examiner articles, the uh, um, you know the conferences, and yeah, and I'm sure world that we talked about all kinds and, of stuff. Jeff's a busy market, guy. So. Yes, I have to thank him. What's going Coming on? Coming up uh, yeah, next after the break. What's is going, going to be our wow, uh, an icon uh, of sorts in in the community, uh, Clyde Lewis. Clyde Lewis, radio yeah. personality, does Ground Zero. Uh, we we've, yeah, we've been friends with uh, with Clyde. We've known him for years. And, started uh, listening to him decades ago, or oh, whatever. Yeah. Great like guy, it, great, but, great guy. Uh, and we yeah. get to talk to him again, finally, right after this. Miss a live broadcast? Feel free to download it direct from the on-demand archives at ghostlytalk.com. Beacons of Tomorrow presents Deconstructing Fireflies post-apocalyptic short story by the Ghostman and Demon Hunter shows Nathan Schoonover and Christy Peterson. Bees are real, birds are not. Deer heads rot on rooftops under the blazing sun. Chickens explode. And one stricken little boy searches in unlikely places for the souls of the mechanical animals his father creates. This unsettling tale is now available in the speculative fiction anthology Beacons of Tomorrow Second Collection. Buy your copy at TyrannosaurusPress.com, Amazon.com, Tower.com, and most online book retailers now. Beacons of Tomorrow, second collection. It's a vision of the future so grotesque, you won't be able to look away. Do you want to dive into the bizarre world of the paranormal? Do ghosts, UFOs, or the supernatural amaze you to the point of wanting to learn more? Then you need BVRN the Black Vault Radio Network. With more than 750 hours of on-demand talk radio, syndicated for more than 35 shows, the Black Vault Radio Network is your one-stop shop for the world of the unexplained. Check us out and tune in 24 hours a day, www.blackvaultradio.com. Again, that's www.blackvaultradio.com.
friends. Do you ever wonder, who am I? Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? Why do I keep repeating the same patterns and how can I change them? Why am I free from being able to have the life that I've always dreamed of and what is stopping me from having this? How do I meditate? What is an aura and how do I see one? How can I come to a sense of well-being physically and spiritually always? How can I remain in a state of absolute love, that soulful love felt and expressed from within the heart of the soul, or we may say unconditional love, bliss, peace, and spiritual oneness in life continuously? Dr. Patty Dunn and Lady Diamond, in co-creation with Spirit, shows you the path through the new book called Stepping into Spiritual Oneness, Spiritual Rememberings of the Soul Through Life Experience, available at Diamond Lady Publishing, www.diamondladypublishing.net. You're listening to Ghostly Talk with Doug, Scott L., and Bonnie. Well, I need to get the award for what? first production mistake of 2009. Really? I, I We didn't go cold into the break. I messed it up, and I had to fade it up. And, oh, that's okay. You know, I'm very critical of myself about that, and I did so good in January. I was so happy. I was cruising into February, and boom. Well, we only had two shows or three in January. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I mean, you did great all January long. I was very lucky. I uh, will point out the band. Uh, that we just uh, cataclysm. cataclysm. We talked about Canada earlier, and this is one of their finest exports. They do have all kinds of good stuff up there, especially heavy music and Cataclysm. Another group that I've been listening to for a number of years. We're nice enough to let us use their, their tune. That's here. what happens when you get winters like here in Michigan. You, you is... get really angry, and these guys are super angry. There they're you big go. and mean looking, and they're they're furry, and they they rule. They just they bite. I steal love in half. big, mean-looking They break cars in half. They're, I've, I've seen this band live. Fuzzy things. Yeah. I've seen this band live. They just destroy things when they're playing live. They're, they're beautiful, and thanks, guys, for... It's like me getting ready beautiful. for work in the morning. They're beautiful. <laughs> Breed the Dominate. Great song. Check that out. Who do we got? What, Doug, what the heck's going on Well, here? Clyde Lewis is the creator and host of Ground Zero, one of the finest paranormal and parapolitical radio shows ever. <laughs> Did you write No, that? I didn't write that. <laughs> I'm like, I know that that's what you think. Yeah, Wow. His writings have been <laughs> featured in UFO magazine and Chris Fleming's Unknown magazine. Uh-huh. And he has appeared on Sightings and Strange Universe and and of course we've uh he's been on Ghostly Talk before. Oh yeah. And the website and we love him. Exactly. And the website is of course www.groundzeromedia.org. And we'd like to welcome back to Ghostly Talk uh Clyde Lewis. Welcome back. Glad to be back. It's been a while, and I'm glad I'm here because there's a lot of ghostly and weird and crazy stuff going on in the world that needs to be addressed, and so I'm the man to address it. So get ready to be frightened or at least chilled out of your bones. Well, Clyde, we you know we have we've all known each other for a very long time, and you've broke a lot of interesting things over the years. Uh, one thing I remember uh, specifically, uh, this was a long while ago, was still chills the, my bones. Was the, the snowball intercept message? Mm-hmm. If you remember that correctly? I oh, yeah. remember that. Yeah, uh, that's something we talked about. Which it was a chilling, 
chilling message that we got. You know, we survived it, thank goodness. Thank heaven. But it was something we thought was yeah. interesting. I remember we kind of like, we heard that thing. Uh, I was surfing around and we hit your website and we heard that thing. And I think we actually moved a guest to get you on that weekend to talk about this thing. And, uh, just amazing stuff. And, um, and I always had, remember yeah. the snowball report happened before the major earthquake, uh, in Indonesia. And uh, I still contend that what hit what happened with that was that we had a meteor hit the Earth. I don't think it was an earthquake at all. I think we had a meteor hit the Earth. I have reason to believe. I have uh, documented, uh, you know, circumstances said that uh, Jakarta and places like that were being hit by huge meteorites, bolides. Uh, we were getting hit left and right, and then all of a sudden we have this. We hear about the snowball uh, thing, uh, where they were talking about some sort of thing that might hit the Earth, and they were moving out the fleet. And, uh, they notified also a, uh, an Air Force base in the Philippines to be aware that something's about to go down. And so everybody was aware of it. And when it happened, it happened. But then another thing that's interesting is that there was a, a uh, there was a submarine that was uh, traveling in the water just after the earthquake, uh, that uh, allegedly happened, uh, that uh, knocked the world off its axis a little bit and was so uh, dreadfully harsh. Um, there was actually a submarine that hit a mountain. Uh, a mountain that was uncharted, and it was doing about 40 knots when it hit. And uh, the captain had no idea there was a mountain there in the middle of the ocean that he hit, which only, once again, puts my theory even closer to the test because what you're looking at is you're looking at something that, that piled earth uh, into an area that a submarine had no idea that it was going to hit. Well, so you said it was. A, you said it could have. It could have been a meteor hitting something. I mean, and yeah. Depending on the size of it, I mean, who knows? I mean, we're here in the states, and I mean, we didn't experience anything. I don't remember experiencing anything too drastic. But um, a meteor hitting. I mean, depending on the size of it, we've heard stories of you know how it. <laughs> that could be what you know what uh, what removed the dinosaurs from this planet. You know, theoretically speaking. Oh yeah, but not every not every meteor that hits the Earth is going to be an ELE event. I yeah, mean, that means extinction level. Yeah. Um, not everything that hits is the extinction level. That was damn near close. I mean, what we had five hundred thousand people die in that earthquake tidal wave oh, uh, yeah. thing that happened. And uh, you know, some, I mean, there have been several earthquakes in the Pacific Northwest, several earthquakes uh in the Ring of Fire near uh near Japan and plenty of other places that had earthquakes that have been eight point five or more. Still no uh no major tidal waves to speak of, no tsunamis. But this had a major tsunami and we were looking at about what, nine, ten on the Richter scale. So something hit the earth, caused it to ring for a good three years and uh, you know, a number of things uh you know, other things going on in space that uh, they didn't tell you much about that was going on. So I'm not saying that the snowball thing was directly or indirectly, uh, you know, accounted for. What I am saying is, is that there are some circumstantial evidences to show that, this, that we are, as a blue marble going through a, a sea of darkness and cosmos, are being tossed around and tossed around and tossed around. And, uh, you know, these things happen. And uh, I don't think that the government would be uh, too keen uh, on uh, uh, letting the whole world know that maybe we had let one slip through our fingers and hit us. Um, and they say, well, you know, somebody would come forward with it. Well, of course they would, but then who would believe them? And everybody says, well, no, it would leak out. Well, you know, of course it would leak out. Those are the conspiracy theorists that are leaking it out. Those are the, the ones that don't believe the story that are leaking it out, uh-huh. you know. Well, I know that's the thing is when people tell me somebody would say something. Well, they already have. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah, that's why I say to people. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing, too, I mean, if this was the well, – Again, it comes down to this, right? I mean, if we're, you say, letting one slip through our fingers, I, there is this, I guess there's this idea, and I, with, with government, and we're talking, we've talked a lot, a lot about government this show. Yeah. But, uh, there is this idea of government, they can't ever be wrong. 
No matter right. what happens, and we've seen them clearly and painfully wrong, how many times in history? <laughs> in our lifetime. Too many to count. Pretty much every time. Yeah. In our lifetime, right? Uh, but they're not wrong. There's a reason for it, right? Um, for some reason, if they were to say, yeah, we let one, like you said, Clyde, so we, this one slipped through our fingers, what are we going to do? Uh, I, obviously, I think a lot of people would panic on that. Um, the, I'm not saying there's going to be any type of social unrest. We're not going to have anarchy. But I guess it's just this idea that we have to have faith in our government at all times because they can do no wrong. Well, Hmm? Right, and in the situation is this: you know, there are there is a point in time where the government has no control over anything, and that's when we come to these extinction level events. It's when it comes to things like global warming. If you believe in that crap, um, you know the whole the whole idea of recycling and going green is a business. It has nothing to do with saving the planet. It has everything to do with making money off of idiots who are willing to fall for it. <laughs> I mean, what they yeah. need to do is they need to. It, you know, climate change, if it is real, and it is real, we're noticing that the climate is changing. You know, uh, uh, wait, warming, hang on, Clyde. I gotta, I gotta step, fake. I gotta stay, I gotta what? step in on that because we live in Michigan and there is no global yeah. warming here whatsoever. <laughs> Not this year. Well, I really? agree. There is no, there is no global warming. Global warming is a myth uh-huh. and it, it, it's not real. But climate change is real. The, the climate is changing and it's changing because it's a cyclical thing. Climates change all the time. Uh, but what I'm getting at is, is that going green and this whole idea of global warming is nothing more than a scam to build people out of money and, and, and to, and to make more money, uh, you know, where, you know, you have these oil companies and all these other companies saying, well, we're going to come up with these other ideas to have different fuel sources and all this other, it's just more money being made. Uh-huh. You fall for it, you're a moron. I mean, what Al Gore couldn't, uh, speak in Washington because they were iced in. I mean, he was going to do his big global warming speech, and he couldn't because he was all iced in. <laughs> I mean, and everyone says, well, that's fact, global warming. No, it's not a fact. I always get in arguments with these people. In Portland, Oregon, I mean, we live amongst the hippies. We live amongst the tree huggers and the green people. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not saying that we should neglect the planet and abuse the planet. Hell, that's stupid. You don't do that. Yeah. But what I am saying is, is don't fall for any greenwash, which is uh, seems to be pre- uh, prevalent and even in the Obama uh, administration, they're pushing it, which I think is even more, more, more insane. And, and, and uh, it's similar to what happened in Hitler's day when they were talking about fire and ice, and, and they were talking about the fire and ice sciences, and whether or not the earth was going to freeze over, and whether or not the the, the men from Ragnarok were going to come and take over the world. I mean, it, 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 it's the same type of mythology, it's the same type of mythos, and they're using it again on people who don't uh, read and don't and don't follow history and don't pay attention. Well. Again, I, and this is where I, and this is, I, Clyde, I'm sure you feel, you felt this way or feel this same way. Uh, and we said, we mentioned this also with Jeff a little while yep. ago. Who the hell do you trust anymore? That's, I think, what we live with, it's a paranoid species. And if, I'm as paranoid as they come when it comes to this stuff. Because, you know, yeah, especially working in the auto industry, uh, that's all we're hearing about now, especially with all the bailout money and stuff like that. They have to prove that they're going to get their act together and build more green, efficient cars. And that's what's going to make this country move forward. Uh, and, you know that I mean, you're coming and saying something quite the opposite, though. That this isn't a real issue; it's just another way for them to pull more money out of our pockets. Well, which of course is- it is, and you have to do that. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. Every every generation or every other generation, you you need something to rally around and something to talk about. And this this time, it's 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 green and and global warming. Have you ever have you ever have you ever heard of a book called uh, The Meeting at Iron Mountain? That sounds familiar. No, but I do want to see that up-and-coming movie, The Return to Witch Mountain. But (laughs) but that's that's a completely different topic. Yeah. Well, Iron Mountain was a... uh, Just to give you a little bit of background about Iron Mountain. Iron Mountain was a... uh, What had happened is that Kennedy, when he was president, had said, 
we are looking at an opportunity where we are going to have worldwide peace for the next 30 or 40 years. And what had happened is that uh, Johnson and several other people got together and said, well, if we're going to have peace, our military is just basically going to crumble. We're not going to make any money off that. So we've got to find other things that we need to work on that would uh, keep the military industrial po- uh, complex full of money. And so uh, Johnson said it would take 40 years to come up with a plan. And some of the things that they discussed with the, the, the Iron Mountain meeting was that if they were to create uh, threats from without or threats from within, they would be able to uh, keep the military-industrial complex in pretty much uh, in, in, keep the money flowing in. Some of the things they decided upon was, A, they needed to come up with something that would uh, cause people to, um, you know, demand that the, that the government step in and, and that the military step in and change things. So one of the things they came up with was probably changing the Declaration of Independence of the Constitution. That was a drastic measure. Yeah. Uh, or government changes, socialism, or whatever you want to call it. The other one would be to create some sort of an environmental or some sort of specious environmental thing that uh, we needed to protect ourselves from and that the military and the government would step in and, and it would make money. One, the other thing they talked about was some sort of extraterrestrial threat that they could come up with that would uh, you know, get people to pay attention and, and, and to keep the military industrial complex in line. Also a terrorist threat or the idea of terrorism, uh, the idea of uh, you know, finding some enemy that really doesn't pose that much of a threat, but we make it sound like a huge crisis. And then people will say, well, beef up the military and go in and fight some wars. No, people are stupid. They're, they're, they're falling for, uh, they're falling for everything that's coming down, uh, the pipeline. And even, uh, Obamists are, or, or whatever you call, uh, Obamianists, if you want to call them that. <laughs> um, they, they also are just as at fault for drinking the Kool-Aid and believing that everything bad came from the Bush administration. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad things came from the, the Democratic House, the Democratic uh, Congress. Um, you know, it, there are a lot of things that came from there that have been uh, on the books that are ready to be passed through, such as the Homegrown Terrorism Act, which is something that people say, oh, that's just another one of those Bush things. No, it's actually a very, very draconian uh, thought crime bill that was produced by Democrats that, uh, that basically uh, Mr. Obama has support of. Obama has support of a number of things that are very socialist and very strange, and, and people are going to have to get used to it. I'm not, I'm not ragging on Obama right out of the gate, but the truth of the matter is is that you know uh, people forget that it's easy to take people and say, okay, we're going to get rid of your individuality for just a moment. We want you to think community. We want you to think worldwide. We want you to think all this. And, and all, this idea, all these ideas are socialist ideas, and all these ideas are ideas to... Take all your individuality, make you have group think, and eliminate anyone who thinks outside the box. Well, there's a lot so, of... Yeah, go ahead, Clyde. Sorry. Go ahead. So what I'm saying here is I'm saying that even though Obama has a great smile and he's very articulate and all this other stuff, keep in mind that not everything that sounds good is good for you. And and I think that people need to make that, make that uh, awareness. Uh, they need to think about that because... Uh, you know that that is what is uh, ahead. I mean, yeah. uh, if you listen to the speeches that were given at the inaugural, you listen to the things that were talked about at the inaugural, the things that were said. It was very divisive. Many of it was about changing the course of the country. Yep. But a lot of it had to do with the idea of civil war that's on the horizon. So get ready because that's what's going to happen. Well, and this is there was satire on this and all into the change. We hear this all the time, and I've mentioned it on this show a few times. The change, it's here, it's here. You know, and of course, you know, I think. 
and I by no means am I paying a pretty color for Bush at all because <laughs> I won't do that. Uh, right. But I, people were so convinced going into this election when Obama was brought in that Bush did such a horrible, horrible, horrible job that anybody put in there could do a better job than Bush could. So I think there's what Satan uh, or a train you know, monkey on crack. crack. What was that? Or a train monkey on crack. Yeah, she's, she's very right. Bonnie's right. Um, <laughs> the people did say that. They said that, you know, anything's better than Bush. Well, of course, anything's better than Bush. But you know what? Uh, you know, so, so is eating uh, sandwiches, uh, you know, spread with, uh, with poop. I mean, you know, anything's better than that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, depending on how you look at it. And, I, and I'm just saying that, you know, but there... while it's so easy to attack and to say, well, this is what, this is then, this is now, and everything's going to change. It's not. And why is because when people realize that it's not about the red state, it's not about the blue state, it's the state versus you, when you figure out that it's the state versus you, that's where true freedom comes from. And it is. It's going to be the state versus you. I don't know of anybody who's going to be uh, very happy when they find out they're not going to be able to get their tax returns. I don't think anybody out there is aware that we have 46 states now that are on the verge of bankruptcy within the next 120 days. Do you realize this? Within the next 120 days, there are at least 46 states that are on the verge of bankruptcy. California and Arizona are already going to file, to file Chapter 9. They're not getting their tax returns. Arizonans and Californians are not going to get rebates. You're kidding me. It's not. No. Well, you can't. I mean, mainstream once, news. Right, once they file, then they're protected immediately from having to pay anything out. Okay. Well, they're not going to get it. The, the, the government is not going to pay back any rebates. Exactly. They can't afford to. They can't afford to. You see... That's what's not being told to you in the mainstream news. The mainstream news is avoiding the idea that we can all be bankrupt within within 120 days. That's how close we are to this. It's, it's so close. We're I'm so sure, close and I'm, I'm 100 percent sure that Michigan's within that too. Because we oh, you know, we've got to collect. Yeah, we are screwed in the state. I mean, and that any I don't think I need anybody. Just, I can just look around and tell you that. I can just drive down the street here in my neighborhood and see all the houses that are up for sale that I know are all bank-owned now. Uh, it, it's it's horrible here, so I'm firmly convinced that we might not be seeing our tax returns either over here. Well, see, we're not all going to die. I mean, that's no. not the problem. See, the problem is, is that, you know, when, when people say, well, we're this, we're this, we're this, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist, and we're doomed. Well, no, that's not the point. The point is, is I lived in South America when Argentina woke up one day and they had to pay like $5 for a loaf of bread. Uh, you know, and I sat there thinking to myself, well, I paid 50 cents a couple of days ago. Why is it $5 now? Because they couldn't afford, you know, to make that stuff. And that's another thing, too, is in America, here we have um, an economy that's tanking, and yet people are still thinking, well, I can still charge this amount of money for this. You can't. You know, when a government, when, a, when an economy tanks, you'll be seeing people selling stuff for pennies on the dollar. That's what bankruptcy is. It's called selling out when you can. Yeah, it's liquidating everything you have <laughs> to try to right. survive. Right, and so like yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing houses at like what uh, I could say maybe one hundred twenty thousand dollars. If they go down as low as thirty or forty thousand, I'd be very surprised. But that's the thing is that you know I still have you know I, I live in a neighborhood where we have realtors who are still selling homes for three hundred thousand a pop, and I just looked at them and said, "You guys are so full of it." I mean, there's no <laughs> way in hell anybody's going to buy that. Not not in this economy. Not with the way the jobs are. Yeah. Not with the way money's being handed out. Clyde, I can tell you personally that houses have gotten that cheap here in Michigan. Yes, they have. I'm looking at what, them. What, the 40000 or $120,000? 40, they, 40, they, they were 120000 They've gotten down to sixty to forty, even $30,000, depending yeah. on the condition. In California, mm -hmm. in California right now, there's some areas that are selling them buy one, get one free. 
There was well, actually there, there was actually a subdivision that they had built here, and they couldn't push any of the houses. So they go, okay, well, what you do is if you buy this house, we'll give you a car to put in your garage. Meaning uh, they they would sure. give you a a car. Well, so everybody all yeah. they have matching. Cars. I'll, I'll give you another example too. Out in Grand Haven, they just built all these beachfront condos. Oh, two hundred and fifty. These are these are basically twelve hundred square foot apartments. Right. But they've gone condo, uh, and they were looking for two hundred fifty thousand dollars a piece for these things when they built them about four Which years ago. Would have made sense back then. Uh, now, what this says, it's sixteen years of encouraging people to get into debt. That's yep. what we're saying right now. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. That's a whole different. That's a new show. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying. God is yes, yeah. encouraging people. Hey, bye, 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 bye. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's nothing paid back. And everybody's like going, well, you know, and that, and that's what's happened. And then they're saying, well, we'll just print more money and hand it over to these guys. Okay. We'll take a jet aircraft to the Bahamas and we'll have a meeting. You know, <laughs> and the American people, what are they doing? They roll over and they play dead. There, yeah. there are countries right now that are on the verge of bankruptcy where people are rebelling in the streets. The United States, oh, we'll be happy to sit in front of American Idol and sing Bikini Girl. You know, and this is where we're at. Um, and I'm not saying we should go and maraud and, and rape, pillage, and plunder, but someone should at least uh, call these people on their crap and, and, and push it and, and stop putting their faith into one man. I, I saw a movie, and I'm going to recommend your listeners uh, see this movie online. It's called The Wave. I don't know if anybody has seen this film, but uh, it's based on an experiment that was done in 1967 in Palo Alto, California, about the, the group mind and the and the idea of how you can get the group mind to do anything. And uh, you watch it. You can watch it online. Just uh, type in Google Video, mm-hmm. and you will type in the wave. Just watch it. It's about 46 minutes long. It'll be a big education on what we just went through uh-huh. with this election. And I and I think that people need to uh, well, pay attention to this. I need to they need to set aside their love for change and start figuring out the reality <laughs> is that we're all going to have to ask for change. Well, we've been Kai, we've been talking about this though. It isn't just you know politically or the social environment we have, but even in the paranormal community, we just got to, we've talked about this a couple times here since the beginning of the year is that there is this mass consciousness now there is this yes, idea is. where you know and i'm not knocking anything down when it comes to ghost hunting and stuff like that either you know i know people that i think have you know doug i i can stand by you and say this guy had a paranormal experience he saw something that he couldn't explain uh, and i nearly died as a result of that but that's a whole point aside okay <laughs> but uh i've seen a ufo all right that's a whole different story right there i saw it with my own two eyes okay and it was just with it was with me my girlfriend and another friend it wasn't with you know a giant group of people going do you see that in the sky what is that thing it's a bird it's a plane no it's a ufo no it was just a couple of us saw this thing right um there, but there is this mass consciousness now, though, when it comes to the paranormal, that everything is a ghost, right? So it isn't. I mean, it's it's within that field of study, but it, yeah, and more importantly, it is within the social environment, the fabric we have out there, that there is this thing. And I've been I've been kind of suspecting, or I've been I haven't been set right with this whole change idea either, Clyde. You know, I, well, what, I go ahead. It's ritual. It's ritual. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, we're, we're now moving into a paranormal, uh, type of thought and attitude in this program. That's good because I want to get to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Pressing. I mean, politics can piss me off and I know other things. Uh, we're getting into a time of ritual. We're getting into a time where the American people are not aware that they're being ritualized. They're being ritualized through something called traumatic, it's called trauma-based uh, mind control. And what it is is that in rituals, uh, a lot of rituals that have to deal with uh, mind control and controlling a, a, cr- a crowd or a group of people, what they do is they basically put them through a, a number of traumatic experiences. 
and uh, we've had a lot of traumatic experiences here in the United States, and it works. If you think you're going to die, as I say, zombies make great, uh, great motivators in graveyards. If you think you're going to die, you'll do anything not to die, even even do things you wouldn't normally do. You know, I just got over, um, you know, I, I just got over, uh, you know, getting two uh, very painful uh, operations to get rid of renal cell carcinoma. I survived it, and that's good. Mm. When you survive, what you do with your survival is one thing, but if you sit there and you're paranoid about dying all the time, you're not going to get anywhere. And so a lot of the American people, they had all of these experiences from Columbine to Waco to Oklahoma City to the uh, first attacks on the World Trade Center, Katrina, and the World Trade Center attacks, yeah. everybody thinks they're a victim and everybody thinks they deserve a break. Well, of course you deserve a break, but you know what? There isn't anybody that's just going to hand it out to you. And so what they're doing is we're in the middle of what is known as ritualism. We're, we're, we're seeing what I call dark, satanic ritualism going on in this country, and it's being done on a grand scale. These people, they say that they believe in God, they worry about prayers at inaugurals, the words that they say and the, and, the, and the things that they offer are not what uh, we want. There's something going on right now that I call that I've uh, read about. It's called the Abraham Osama Obama ritual. One second, Clyde. Clyde. Oh, he's back. Uh, okay. You, you, you kind of you kind of phased out there for a second, but you're back now. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's something that I'm, I'm investigating right now called the Abraham Obama Osama ritual. Ooh. And what that is is that these names that you hear, Abraham. Obama, Osama, these names have very, very deep significance in the Talmud, in the Quran, in, in the Torah. These names are very significant. When you look at the words Osama and Obama, did you realize that Obama is Swahili for Osama? They both mean Muhammad's warriors. They both mean the blessed ones. Uh, Barack Obama, or Barack Obama literally means the... Um, the, uh, the great warrior of Muhammad. And Abraham, of course, is the father of the, the, Hebrew, uh, uh, the Hebrew generations. He was the, he was the man who, if you read the Bible and if you read the Old Testament, if you read the, the Torah, he is the, he is the father of all creation. The, the whole idea of uh, Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac was a big deal in the, in the biblical text and all this other stuff. Now, the interesting thing about pairing Abraham, Osama, and Obama together is, is that when you pair those three names together, what you're basically doing is you're creating a ritual where you're, where you're, uh, you're opening up the, the, uh, the meme, if you will, for the division of the people and the uniting of one pe people against another people. Israel is at a, at a point in time where they're getting more powerful and they're planning on slaughtering a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You look at uh, you look at uh, the names Osama, Obama. Like it or not, they are Muslim names. Uh, like it or not, they when they're when they're called upon, you're calling out to Muhammad's warriors. That those names do send out memes into the ether, and they cause these things. When you put them all together, Abraham, Obama, and Osama, that even makes it even more of a ritualistic type thing. Now, if you take a look at the inaugural. What was the first name that was uttered before the inaugural? Well, is Osama bin Laden going to attack? That was first uh -huh. first name that was mentioned. Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama, Barack H. Obama. Barack Obama was mentioned in three different ways when he was at the inaugural. Where, where, who was Obama uh, compared to? Abraham Lincoln. Who did he put his hand? What? Where did he put his hand on Abraham Lincoln's Bible? 
Abraham, Obama, Osama. Those names are being mentioned over and over and over again. And it's a ritual. It's a ritualistic, divisive way to divide the people. You take a look at the prayer that was given, the benediction that was given at the end of the, at the, end of the inaugural. It talked about when the white man can do right, when white can do right, when, and when black doesn't have to stand back. That was a divisive thing to talk about, the division of people, and it was done during a prayer. And then what did they do? They sealed it with the word Amen. Amen is an ancient Egyptian god, Amen-Ra, who, who basically, they, they, they sealed it with that, and, and people shot at Amen out of the, out of the crowds. Uh-huh. And see, what we're doing is we're, we're participating in rituals that you know, we think are okay because no one thinks, oh, these guys are going to lead us down the wrong path. No, watch what you say, watch what you're paying attention to, and watch what you're participating in. That whole inaugural was one big magic ritual. It was. It was an alchemic ritual, and and I can I can prove that right now we are under the spell of magic. Do you realize there was a guy by the name of Doctor Manning who on Jan- who before January twentieth, and this guy's a black man, so don't think this guy's an anti anti Obama black person. Uh-huh. Doctor Manning had said he said that January twentieth is going to be the day of the Joker. He said that mm-hmm. the day of the Joker. Now what happened on the inaugural January twentieth? The trickster played games because what happened? Obama could not take the oath right. He screwed it up. He could not say, I can't faithfully. He could not put out the word faithfully. He was, he was screwing it up. So what happens? Condoleezza Rice becomes the first African-American woman president for about, oh, I don't know, a day or two. And, and nobody talked about that. You realize that she was really the president of the United States until Obama took the oath of office. Or Joe Biden was the 44th president of the United States until Obama took the oath of office correctly. Uh-huh. Did you guys know that? Well, I did know that he had he to redo it. it up. He, he had to go and redo it again. Yeah, it, but I did not think. You know why? You know why he had to redo it? Do you know why he had to redo it? Why? Because of Article. There's something called Amendment 20, Article 2 of the Constitution that states: Upon January 20th, the President of the United States and the Vice President are no longer President; they become private citizens. Right. And what happens is the Speaker of the House then becomes President temporarily. What happens? Nancy Pelosi didn't give up her seat in the Congress, so then the the, uh, the responsibility fell on Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice was temporarily president at least for, you know, I guess you could say roughly 15 minutes. So she was the first African-American woman president temporarily until Joe Biden took the oath. Now, it's still debated whether or not uh, if Obama did, was not empowered with the oath because he screwed it up, whether or not Biden had any power. So still it falls back to Condoleezza Rice. So now we have to we have the struggle of power. No one decided to do the coup. And then they, what, what did they do? They went downstairs into the war room of FDR without a Bible and swore in Barack Obama as president of the United States. Without a Bible. Now, without a Bible. Without a Bible. Now I thought that. Okay. I mean, and speaking of ritual, <laughs> I yeah. thought that that I was mean, um, that was imperative. You had to have the Bible. No, I don't think so. It's not imperative. It's not imperative it's at symbolic, all. Though. Uh, it's symbolic. But okay. It's symbolic, and it gets people wondering why didn't he take the oath with a Bible? Um, is it because he's secretly a Muslim? Well, it doesn't matter if he's Muslim or not. But you know, who was the first people? Who was the first uh, people he called when he became president of the United States? He called the Arabs. Said, hey, this is what I want. He appeared on Arab television. This is what he talked about. The first thing he did when he became president of the United States. Yeah. And so what we're looking at is we're looking at ancient Babylonian ritual that's being done. The American people don't want to admit that it's happening to them. But when Manning says it's the year of the Joker, do you know what? I mean, it'll be the, the day of the Joker. Do you know what happened two days after Manning said uh, that, well, actually the day 
kicked uh, Obama was sworn into president for real. Do you know what happened on that day? No. Mm-hmm. Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, was nominated for Academy Award for playing the Joker. Right. The that was on his birth. That, that was on the uh, exact same day as his death. He was supposed. To, I mean, the, it was the year anniversary. Yeah. Obama took the oath. The year anniversary of Heath Ledger's death. Heath Ledger got the Academy Award for. Um, Heath Ledger got the Academy Award for the Joker, yeah, or he Batman. got the nomination of the Academy yeah, Award for the Joker. And then, guess what happened on that very same day? Some guy in Belgium dressed up as a Joker walked into a daycare and killed three people. Yes. And wow. his name was Kim. De, his name was Kim de Gelder. Now the name Gelder. If you take it and rearrange it, it's an anagram for the name Ledger. Now, you're saying, well, this is just kind of a weird coincidence, but you know that uh, something that I find very interesting and a lot of people have not talked about Uh is that back when the Batman movie was popular, uh, we um, we had so many things that were happening that were so synchronistic about the Batman movie. We have so many people seeing it. You wonder you know, about, you know, just what exactly it means. Well, there was a guy by the name of Kenneth Anger who did a movie called Lucifer Rising. One of the things he said is he said that movies themselves are like rituals. And he says that uh, one, of the, the major, uh, one of the major contributors to the movie industry is Lucifer. And he said that Lucifer is the patron saint of movies. Sometimes movies are made and there are invocations or evocations that cast a spell on the audience. So what we have is we have a movie, Batman, was called the Dark Knight or the Dark Knight of the Soul, right? Uh-huh. And the Dark Knight of the Soul shows us the Joker or the Trickster played by Heath Ledger. Okay. Now, what's really scary is, is that I had an interview once. I did an interview with um, uh, the guy that did Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Wes Craven. Yeah. And he right. once told me that in 1984, when he did uh, when he did Nightmare on Elm Street. He said it was really weird because Freddy Krueger came on the screen and he started killing people. And it wasn't soon after that we started hearing about somebody named Richard Ramirez. Yeah. Who happened to be a worshiper of the devil mm-hmm. who happened to go in and kill people. And the scary part is that, um, the scary part is, is that he, um, Craven, felt that his movie had some sort of an influence of that happening. He said, what if Freddy Krueger jumped out of the screen and actually became Richard Ramirez? Uh, the reason why they worry about that sort of thing is because of the idea of uh, the idea of causal magic or, or having a um, having a movie be a, a causal uh, engineering tool, where if it flashes enough and if the people are, are are subjected to it enough, they begin to believe it's reality. Take a look at how many times we've destroyed New York in the movies, and then what happens? We have 9/11 happen, right? Where New York is destroyed. You realize that in 1996 there was a film called The Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh-huh. Uh, Samuel Jackson was told, and this is an explicit detail by the government, uh, that 4,000 people would be killed in a fake terrorist event on American soil so that he could get money out of Congress. And the idea that they were going to do was that they were going to fly planes in the World Trade Center. This is in 1996. Okay? Yeah. Now, how is it that in 1996, a movie comes out and uh, talks about it, and then in 2001, it happens? Well, people are just going to chalk it up to coincidence, though, Clyde. That's all they're going to do. They're going to, oh, it's not a coincidence it's just a... when you have, no, it's not a coincidence when you have more movies that have this happen. I mean, there were more movies than the Long Kiss Goodnight. Did you ever see, uh, Pilot? It was the first, uh, Lone Gunman episode that was shown three weeks before 9-11. You, you know, know what happened in that, in, in that episode? And I've heard about this before. What, what happened again, Clyde? Uh, the plot 
was based on a terrorist attack on the United States uh -huh. where they remotely flew planes into the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. Remotely, by the way, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, remotely. Yeah. So, I mean, um, when you when you look at this, uh, like, for example, The Matrix, okay, was released weeks before the Columbine Massacre, and they wore black trench coats, walked in and shot up a building. Yeah. I mean, you take a look at all these coincidences with these movies you know, were used uh, to, you know, that were that came out long before, um, you know, long before, you know, the event took place. Yeah. Well, it's almost like we're, we're seeing them rehearsed in front of us. It's like ghosts come out of the screen, they, they fill the zeitgeist with all of this horrific stuff, and yeah. then it eventually happens. That's interesting, because there are a lot of paranormal theories that uh, uh, say you create your own reality. Right. Yeah. And also, so so thoughts have power in in that way of thinking, and and I I've come to believe that to an extent. Like I don't think I can think myself to being a multimillionaire lotto winner. Yeah. I can hope, but I yeah. <laughs> but I, I you know whether it happens or not is pure chance. You lot. create your own reality but to a can, certain extent. But you can create your own reality, yeah. and but what happens is you have the um the power of the movie is that. You're all in an audience where you're all in, you know, like your focus. You're completely 100% focused. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, a movie itself is a bit of It hypnotizes you. It hypnotizes yeah. you. It, it, it does hypnotize you. But you know what's really interesting about Batman and interesting about The Dark Knight is, is that what was, what was different about Heath Ledger's performance of The Joker? Can you uh, really put your finger on what it was different about it? Yes, it was Jack it. Nicholson in The Shining. It was the same performance, only different <laughs> words. Was. I'm positive. Well, I, I didn't can, really look I like I give you my opinion why it was more horrific. Okay. Have you ever heard of something called corpse paint? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah, black metal. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Sorry. here's the deal, okay? Clowns themselves are considered to be effigies of corpses. That's, yeah. They represent the dead body. They, they, they were first symbols of death. That's why clowns are frightening. Yeah. Yes. Heath Ledger did not paint his face in a way that was considered clownish. He painted his face in what is known as corpse paint. Yeah. Uh, death metal bands use it. Yeah. Um, also, it Dude, Clyde, represents... I uh, gotta point this out because this is really, we were, really strange because we were just... Just talking We about were at that work today. today. Doug and I worked together and... I was reading some, you know, from my news things I have on my music stuff, right? And mm -hmm. this come up because I'm like, I was like, we made a joke. I'm like, I gotta find the, the my list of ten most ridiculous black metal, death metal pictures of bands because there's some really hilarious ones out there, right? And mm -hmm. we got into this conversation about and like, why are they wearing the makeup? Because our our other coworkers, right. like, well, they look like Kiss with all that like makeup Kiss. on their face. I'm like, that isn't mm -hmm. that isn't Kiss. That's different. This is corpse paint. That's what they call it. And I kind of gave him the history and stuff like that. And weird. that was that weird. was literally hours ago that, yeah. that we talked about. And a lot, yeah, it, it, invokes, yes. it invokes the it invokes the death and ghostly image of a dying person. Yeah, that is why Heath Ledger wore the makeup that way. That is why Heath Ledger died in the way that he died because he was actually ritualistically wearing corpse paint. And what's really creepy about that? Do you remember when Anna Nicole Smith was died? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And remember what they showed on the TV screen? Uh, yeah, when she died, uh, what had happened is that Fox News had shown her talking. She was high and she was wearing corpse paint. She was wearing a clown face. Do you remember that? I don't remember that personally. I, I'm sure I can look well, it up. Though. You can look it up. Howard K. Stern was videotaping her with corpse paint on her face, and uh -huh. she was uh, basically saying that she was uh, she was she was uh, she was high on drugs. But uh, they they showed yeah. that afterwards. Remember Brandon Lee? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. 
he played the crow. The crow. Oh God! And, and yeah. What did crow? What, what, what did the crow wear? The crow wore corpse, corpse paint. paint. Exactly. Well, and what, what happened to him on the set? He got shot in the head. Right. By, by a uh, by a uh, a blank, a blank I mean, yeah. that had a bullet in it. Well, the question. Or he got shot in the, in the in the stomach. Sorry. What makes me think about you know this the Batman film, The Dark Knight. Um, someone, I'll just say someone very very close to me. Who you know? Who's you know? Their family, right? Mm-hmm. They don't really have a, an affinity for art that much. They're just like, yeah, whatever, you know. I <laughs> do my thing, and I don't really give a crap about anything else. But when that film came out, and I'm not making any insinuations by this, uh, but he actually came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to go see The Dark Knight with me?" And I kind of took a step back and said, "Whoa, you know, whoa, you want to actually go see a film like like a contemporary film that." It's being talked about now, and it isn't like thirty years old or something and like that. You have to go in the theater. You have to go in the theater, yeah. and and he's like, "Yeah, I want to go see it." I'm like, "Okay, uh, we'll go." And his reasoning, I'm like, "Well, why do you want to see this film so bad?" And his reasoning was, "Well, I read an article on Popular Mechanics about the motorcycle, and I really want to see the motorcycle, right?" And now, I'm not saying that he was like, you know, there's some magic spell being put on people out there, but I found that kind of weird, Clay. Because I mean, this person I'm talking about, they, they're just not into contemporary art; they just they live their life and they're cool. They don't really get well, there it. There is a spell being put on people. There okay. There is a spell being put on. It's called hypervigilanteism. The idea that you're going to have to fend for yourself. That's what Batman is all about. It's about hypervigilanteism and it uses a trickster or joker or Satan to send the message. It, it, it's like uh, the character of the Joker is literally Lucifer, literally Satan, literally uh, with corpse paint on the face saying, this is what needs to be done. Strange thing of all things, uh, one of the things interesting about Heath Ledger, the first character he ever played in the movies was a clown, and the last character he ever played in the movies was a clown. And I'm not talking about the Joker. He actually yeah. played a Harlequin clown in a movie uh, where he uh, was filming. It was called uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, and there's still trying uh, to get the film out, but yeah, he wore a clown costume in that. Yeah. Another thing that's very interesting, too, about the Joker is that uh, a number of things that were being used in the Joker, which were really interesting, was the Joker card. It showed a Joker with a decapitated head, uh-huh. holding a decapitated head in a card. What was really interesting about that is that as that was going on, it was a coincidence where a month prior to the Dark Knight's debut, there was an accident at Six Flags over Georgia. It was a guy by the name of Agent LaShawn uh, Ferguson of Springfield. Uh, scaled two six-foot fences, past signs that said, don't get in there because he had to get a hat to put back on his head. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he got near the Batman ride, cut his head clean off. Yeah. I've he heard about that. Cut his head off. Um, also, if you take a look at uh, that, uh, remember in the Dark Knight where uh, they're riding around in that truck that says slaughter is the best medicine? Always yeah. remember that the company that uh, they're riding in the truck says Hyams Amusement Rides. And they do show a Ferris wheel, and they show a roller coaster on that, which I thought was really interesting, too. And people had always wondered if the uh, the movie was cursed, and I think it is because of a number of things. For example, you've heard this thing about Heath, uh, not Heath Ledger, but uh, you've heard the thing about uh, uh, Christian Bale, right? How he got all pissed off when he was doing the Terminator movie. Oh, yeah. about this. Oh, everybody that saw that on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, I heard, the, no, that wasn't I, the first time. I heard the audio of that, I think, where he just goes off on the lighting guy. Right. I just heard that a right. couple nights ago, and it was ridiculous. He wouldn't shut up. I know. It's like, like right. okay, reprimand him and then get yeah, on with get your life. Over it, but for he God's went, sake. he on went completely on nuts. On. Yeah. Okay. He's I apologize. What's yeah. interesting about that is that's not the first time he's done that. In fact, remember back when Batman first had his debut in England, he was actually taken to jail because he did the same thing to his mother and his sister. What? Yeah. He yelled at his mother and his sister. He, he verbally abused them, and he uh, he was taken away. He was taken away to jail because he did that. 
Oh. Got a very bad temper, but the strange thing of all is, guess what his mother does for a living? What's that? She's a clown. <laughs> wow. She works in a circus. Wow. So the hero is fighting crime, fighting a joker on the screen, and then he fights his mother, who happens to be a clown as well. Well, in regards to the corpse paint thing, and not because I have a vested interest in this, okay, but and I, I'm not trying to, like, you know, marginalize this idea, because you've mentioned... a. a couple of different situations. Anna Nicole Smith, uh, uh, Brendan Fraser, the Crow. I, mm-hmm. I'm not a big Crow fan. Not and then Brendan Fraser. No, not Brendan Fraser. Brendan who? Who? Not Brendan Fraser. Who did I just Brandon say? Lee. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a big Crow Brandon fan. Brandon Lee, yeah. Okay. Uh, you also mentioned Heath Ledger, obviously. Now, as a joke, and this is just it's just out of curiosity, because you know, my, my girlfriend and I, we, we, we listen to this kind of music. We, you know, we're, we're into death metal and stuff like that, and we kind of get a kick out of some of these bands. So these bands. So one night, we were goofing around with our camera, and I ended up putting on some corpse paint, right, just as a joke, and made my little thing, and we took some funny pictures and whatnot. Now, I'm very much alive, Clyde, obviously, and I'm not trying to marginalize what your point was, but, you know, I'm wondering, is there, this is a ritualistic thing, though, you're talking about with corpse paint. Yeah, obviously. wearing corpse paint is ritualistic, and I would not wear it. I mean... I had, my conviction wasn't there, paint. though. My, my conviction wasn't there. It was all for okay. fun. Well, what I'm saying is, is that corpse paint is ritualistic, and it's done to invoke spirits. It's done to... That's why uh, that's why they wear it when they're Indians wearing war paint. That's why the shaman wear it. That's why Kiss wears it. They're, they're doing it to invoke a spirit. They're doing it to invoke... I mean, with Kiss, they're invoking the, the four gods of the, of the Old Testament. That's why they wear it. And Gene Simmons will deny it, but he's a rabbi, and if you take a look at all the characters... In Kiss, they all represent the the four gods of the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, there's the there's the, the Taran god, the demon god. The there's the uh, the god the the Leo, uh, the the god of the sun, Leo, which is a cat. Yeah. They have um, they have Peter the uh, space man, which is the the celestial uh, the celestial uh, ascending god, and uh, and they have uh, the star the star crossed lover or the the star child, which yeah. of course is any astrological person will know is the, is the symbolic of the angel. Uh-huh. So what they do is they have those four gods, and that's why people, you're like, wow, I'm a Kiss fan. I don't know why. They're so great. It's because of the fact that, you know, they, they use that to invoke a spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the, the insane clown pots do the same thing. They do it to invoke uh, the dark uh, corpse paint. They're not clowns. They're dark corpse paint wearers of, of this paint. And it gets the what they call the what they call the uh, the, the juggalos. Is that what they're called? Juggle the uh, juggalos. Yeah, the juggalos. The juggalos. It gets the juggalos uh, with the paint on to act all angry and punky, and and they destroy crap, and that's what they do. You know, and, and well, that's and that's and it's done to invoke a yeah. spirit. Well, here's you wear the a question. Paint, it invokes a spirit. Now, this is definite. Now, the corpse <laughs> paint thing is it's an, it's of an evil nature. Am I correct, Clyde? Is it, I mean it. Or is it just kind no, of the intent can be of evil nature. Depend. I mean, you know, the clowns. You know, when they wear, they wear it to be to be funny. But yeah, but they don't wear coarse paint. They wear clown paint. Yeah. But when yeah. you're wearing just black, white, and red, that's that's coarse paint. And you, you want to understand that wearing coarse paint is invoking a spirit. It invokes the spirit of death. Uh-huh. One of the things that's interesting. There was a guy by the name of uh, there was a guy um, named Vince Wing Wing Wang Lee. Yeah. Uh, he lived in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and on a bus ride, he actually uh, walked up to a guy named Tim McLean and stabbed him several times, cut his head off, marched around the bus with the head, and started eating pieces of flesh off his off his neck. Oh my God! Okay? Yeah. Now this guy Weegwag was actually called uh, the Badger. They didn't have they had a code name for him called Badger. What's interesting about the Badger is is the Badger is an Asian term for the trickster. 
All right. Oh. And what was really what was really interesting is our good friend Tim McLean was on that bus to Canada was actually a carny, and he was also a fan of the insane clown posse, uh-huh. and he also wore the juggalo paint whenever he was working at the at the carnivals. And not only that, but he had on his back tattooed the Joker. Oh. Something triggered this guy to behead um, to behead this guy, and he all had the corpse paint and everything. He wore the corpse paint all the time. And what I'm saying is, is that when you're when you're playing with corpse paint, when you wear corpse paint, you don't understand what you're doing. You don't know what you're invoking. I mean, yeah. um, at Halloween, you know, everybody's into that sort of thing. That's fine. But if you're just doing it to be doing it, or if you, I mean. Death metal bands know why they're wearing corpse paint. They want to invoke that that um, that spirit of death. Uh-huh. You well, don't know what happens to the patrons after seeing a death metal concert. You don't know what happens to them. You don't know how they're affected. But that that's why the powerful nature of Heath Ledger's Joker is is so powerful yeah. because he used corpse paint to get the audience to pay attention. You and another thing too. Do you ever remember the lines? that were in the Batman movies and, and what's interesting enough is all the lines in the Batman movies that were given by the Joker uh, it's kind of interesting when you consider that guy went into the Belgian uh, daycare killed all those people on Heath Ledger's uh, death day dressed as the Joker he said things like uh, for example this is what the Joker says he says good evening ladies and gentlemen we are tonight's entertainment starting tonight people will die I'm a man of my word he said that and then he mm-hmm. said I use a knife because guns are too quick. Otherwise, you can't savor the emotions. You know who people are in their last moments when you stab them. Yes, Never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. Why don't we just cut you up into little pieces and feed you to the pooches? And then we'll see how loyal a hungry dog really is. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Yeah. And it says, when the chips are down, these civilized people will eat each other. You'll see. I'll show you. What he's basically getting at is that when a clown in corpse paint delivers these messages to people, it affects them in a certain way. When a death metal band um, is wearing corpse paint and they deliver that message, it affects people a certain way. And, and this is why when we're talking about ritualistic death, yeah. or death rituals, these death rituals are important and these death rituals are traumatizing to people. You may not think they are, but they're very traumatizing to people and they do invoke ghosts. They invoke ghosts, they invoke demonic ghosts, and demonic powers, and demonic death powers. Mm. And people respond to death. That's the way it's always been. Death gets people motivated. You do things to avoid dying. Well, yeah. I mean, I know that shock and awe nowadays in this society and culture isn't what it used to be with the coming of the Internet and things like that. But people, I mean, I know for a fact, I mean, you're right, Clyde. It does invoke this. It invokes emotion. There's whole websites dedicated to gore and death and things like that. Oh, yeah. One, you know, every day you can go on there and get your daily gore dose update of what you know. about gore. It's not well, about gore. Death itself. Gore is a part of life. No, it's called ritualistic death. It's not about gore. Okay. It's about ritualistic death. It's about using ritualistic okay. tools, which are causal engineering tools, such as creating magic, a magic spell, pointing the bone, creating hex death. All these terms I'm using, you can look them up. Look up pointing the bone. Look up hex death. Look up... Um, Look up uh, what's it, a corpse paint uh-huh. being used in hex death rituals, being used in pointing the bone rituals with some of the witch doctors that use the corpse paint to look like skulls or skeletons. Uh-huh. I mean, these these faces are the faces you need to be afraid of. Look at Michael Jackson. Look <laughs> Michael Jackson, but not a guy who allows his face to go pale and to, and have the hollowed out eyes. What about Mike Myers from Halloween? 
Yeah. What is that symbol? That's the corpse thing, too. It affects people, whether you like it or not. It affects the exorcist. There were several scenes where they had a character that showed up before the devil would show up in corpse paint. Yeah, they had those flashes. Yeah, Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Is this um, engineered, or is this all happening due to some time-space continuum, or is What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. <laughs> I think we're getting closer to 2012, <laughs> and I'm getting scared to death. Yes. I, th- I, th- I, think it, I think it's engineered. Okay. What? It's being engineered because it, it, they need to get, I mean, they need to get the people through trauma-based mind control in order to get them to accept anything that comes down the line. Wow. It's trauma-based mind control. 9-11 was trauma-based mind control. Uh, Batman was trauma-based mind control. The movie was trauma-based. The Matrix was trauma-based mind control. Why hire agents to go in with trauma-based mind control ideas when you can uh, create a whole crowd full of trauma-based uh, mind control dupes? Do you realize that there was an article that was in Yahoo News the other day saying that scientists have now figured out that goose-stepping, okay, just the simple thing of goose-stepping, the people discipline enough to feel like they were a part of a greater group. That's why Hitler had control of people. Something as simple as goose God. Yeah. Wow. We could go on all night. I know we could. Go ahead, Clyde. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you know, the group think is easily manipulated by certain things that come after your social unconscious. It's not your social consciousness. It's your social unconscious. We all are programmed to respond to death fetishism. That is why uh, you start seeing things like uh, you, you see people get all weirded out when animals are killed and they they sit around they watch movies of animals being treated uh, horribly. It's not because uh, they it's not because they want to be vegetarians. It's because they, they secretly are death fetishists. Mm-hmm. Um, you see abortion people who walk around shoving pictures of jelly babies in your face. It's not because abortion is horrific. It is horrific. Yes, it is. Show it to people. It's because they love to see the jelly babies being jellied and put in pictures. They are fetishists. The death fetish is is alive and well. Clowns who wear corpse paint, that's death fetishism. Everything that that's enticing uses the fetishistic uh, type of um, uh, of look. That's why Nazis were so popular. That's why uh, That's in the Matrix, everybody's saying, why does everybody look good in the Matrix? Because they were all wearing fetish clothing. Even the uh, Wachowski brothers say that they did that on purpose to get people to pay attention to it. Fetishism is 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 what's going on. Uh, uh, death fetishism is even more uh, appropriate now in in times of of no hope and and and, and things like that. So. Yeah. Um, Take a look at—I mean, take a look at skull and crossbones being worn by people. Oh, uh, the Totenkopf, the, the, the skull situated behind the, the bones, which is a yeah. symbol of Nazism. Yeah. Um, and skull and bones is also a symbol of Nazism, which our own George W. Bush was a member of that, and and, and John. I was Kerry thinking was about that this that. whole time. The skull and bones also—it's—it fits perfectly in with everything else. Unfortunately, right. Clyde, you now when we really really quick, we have to like get off the air here like right now. But I wanted to mention this though. I really want—I could sit here and talk to Clyde all night. Obviously, oh, yeah. and yes. we could do this all night, but we can't. Damn it! But uh, you, you're going—you're going to be going back on terrestrial radio here pretty soon, aren't you? Yes, I will be. I, I'm, I'm looking at March 2nd, but we may have to delay it a little bit because I'm 
in negotiations with several stations, hopefully to syndicate again as well. But in the meantime, uh, the IdeoCast site, which had all of my shows, yep, is yep. now going to move everything to groundzeromedia.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be happening within the next week. And so we're going to advance the website. We're going to have more things available, more of my shows available. The Ground Zero Lounge is still happening at Dante's uh, here in Portland. Yep. Uh, we do live shows there. So if you need to keep updated on what's going on and what I'm talking about, I know everything I talk about sounds crazy, but it has relevance, and it's simply uh, bizarre. And, and yeah. I'm telling you, be on the lookout, 120 days, maybe even as soon as Monday, uh, we'll start seeing some weird things happening. Um, Monday's tomorrow, right? So, uh-huh. I mean, because look at the date tomorrow. It's, it's uh, going to be uh, February 9th. That's 2992 to 10 11, 2009. There's another yeah. 11 there. 2 and 9 is 11. Look at the numerology of that. And, uh-huh. and the 11s, that's what happened with 9-11. They love the 11 number for some reason. Well, Clyde, I have to say, um, you, you, you've been an inspiration to me. I can say that myself here. Uh, we've, we've been, I know I've been a fan of your work for many a years, and I am just ecstatic to see you go back on the radio again. I think people need to hear what you have to say. Uh, I spent many a Monday morning listening to all your stuff at work, just taking it all in. And, and then uh, calling and, me and arguing back and forth with me about <laughs> it, even though I agree. Clyde, thank you. Unfortunately, yeah. we gotta go. I'm so sorry. We could sit here all night and talk well, to you. But thank you. Hang on the line. Don't leave us just, don't, just, don't, don't leave us just, just hang tight for one second, Clyde. That was Clyde Lewis of www.groundzeromedia.org. Heck yeah, man. Uh, back stronger and better than ever. I'd also like to thank Jeff Peckman of www.extracampaign.org, getting the Extra, Extraterrestrial Affairs Commission up and running in Denver. He's yes, working on yes, that. yes, yes, yes. Coming up. Uh, and, of course, Keith Norton from VoicesBeyond.net. And, fun uh, show. Fun show. Fantastic. And I'd also like to thank everybody for listening, but we do have to cut we, it yeah, short. Yeah, we're cruising here. Um, everybody. Check out Cl- groundzeromedia.org again. Check, get, listen to Clyde. Exactly. <laughs> we love Clyde. Awesome. Exactly. So uh, this has been Ghostly Talk, and I'm Doug. I'm Scott L. And I'm Bonnie. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Ghostly Talk! <laughs> you have been listening to Ghostly Talk Paranormal Talk Radio. The Ghostly Talk audio program is distributed for free under the open content license. Please share with all your friends and support independent media. 